Welcome to episode 425 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Well, he read all your emails and he read all your direct messages and he has put on his scary hat once again. It's Russell John the Fisherman. It's been a minute. I realize now. (coughs) Hi, how are y'all doing? You know, you, you, you finally have uh, bowed down to the almighty listener and, and gotten back in character. Congratulations. I'm here. I'm ready to party. Hell yeah. Also joining us here at a party from Atlanta, Georgia, it's Randy Stan. That's me. What's up? What's up, bro? Uh, you know, chilling. I'm here to party. I got a uh, Lagunitas uh, can of uh, alcoholic beverage. I have been drinking some... Uh, more non-alcoholic beverages recently, but I decided to party today. So, what what would these what would uh, be included on this list of non-alcoholic beverages? Water, uh, some non-alcoholic beers. Uh, oh, okay. Friend of the show, Christian, got me into the Heineken Zero Zero. They're very good. They're also a I, big sponsor of Formula One Racing. Formula One dot com. Hell yeah. I don't think I've ever had a, uh, alcoholic Heineken. So my first experience with one is a a non-alcoholic. Well, as famously as, as Dennis Hopper told us, you know, decades ago, Heineken, fuck that shit. Yeah. I, I don't know. Russ, what do you think? What do you think about Heineken? Do you ever, uh, don't like it. You don't like, why you don't like it? It's too European. It's too water. It's too water. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. It's a girl drink. Heineken is not a girl drink. <laughs> Only girls drink it, dude. No, no, no. Heineken lives. I remember when I was working as a waiter at TGI Fridays, there was a gentleman sitting alone. Uh, he stood out because he had a cowboy hat on. And I came up and I said, hey, would you like anything to drink? But I was probably doing the spiel. So I'm like, how are you doing today? Would you like a ultimate margarita or perhaps a mojito? Which is, And he was like, give me a beer. I'm like, would you like a diet or regular? He said... <laughs> A diet. Yeah. Light. He was like, I don't drink diet soda. I don't drink diet beer. Diet beer. <laughs> and then uh, now I'm friends with Clark. Heineken light's terrible. And you're vowing for Heineken. Heineken's fine. It's gross. It's fine. I, you know I have issues with green bottles and, and beer, <laughs> but outside of that. I'll, I'll drink a Rolling Rock. I won't fuck with the Heineken. Oh, Heineken's better than Rolling Rock. Yeah, I'll do a Rolling Rock. I mean, I do appreciate that you're, you are supporting the, uh, the domestic uh, brewer. Mm-hmm. Opposed to uh, you know all the, day the, Stella fucking Artois. What Randy? What's the what? Trumer. I like Trumer. Trumer's, Trumer's gross great. too. Yeah, yeah. Trumer's good. Dosakis don't fuck with that. I'm either. gonna tell you right now. Today would be a perfect day for a Trumer. It's it's nice, 75, 80 degrees. The sun. It's a beautiful day for a nice green beer. Really speaking the true true right now. I, I have a nice little <laughs> Trumer out there. True, true. That was a shot at our former third host <laughs> who God. defends that movie. What for a some hunk of shit movie. that movie is. Yeah. The true, true. Clad Atlas is what we're referring to. Yeah. With uh, Tom Hanks, Hugh Grant, Halle Berry. Halle Berry? Yeah. Everybody's so. in that fucking movie. Yeah. What is it? Terrible. You know what's funny? That movie is the, um, God, you know what? Is that a one for me? That might be a one star. And I think it's a good example because now why everything technically is great. That movie's very well made. I remember we watched it over um, 
oh God, the whole like theater thing with the Overlook and having a projector came from my buddy who's in a band, Crash Faster, and they did a lot of visuals. Like they they do cool shit, and um, they upgraded and they gave me their old one. So I had a long throw projector in a garage, and we used to watch shit in there. And um, where was I going with this? I'm not sure. We were we're talking about Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. So we started watching that. And I remember thinking, this is the movie that I have a projector for because it's so well made. It feels like it would be a theatrical experience, but we didn't catch it there. And I just was so bored and I was so turned off by all the, the makeup effects. And then they say shit yeah. like the true, true. The true and I'm true. like, there's something that people don't like, like it's almost like a aesthetic of narrative. Like I, there's that movie is just not enjoyable, but not because of the craft. The craft is on point. Say, so what What would it have taken? Because it seems like you were almost there. I, I, I feel <laughs> like it wouldn't take a whole lot for you to buy into it. You know, at least from a spectacle standpoint, instead of re- repelling against didn't it. You there, know what I'm saying? Wasn't there like a fantasy reality in there where there were like orcs and shit too? Maybe. Right? Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I just remember being like. It was a prequel for Bright. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was fantasy though. But um, it was fantasy, dude. It was the thing about Bright. It was a fantasy that they thought they, they thought it would make money. <laughs> the construction of the sandbox world in Bright is what I really liked. And I don't care about how cool it looked when they were doing uh, interesting choreography in Seven Eleven. That was just a bonus. But you know, I need um, I need shit to think about. And I felt like, God, Cloud Atlas. That story it pretended to be gigantic. Yeah. Yet it was incredibly linear. There was no exploration. And they, the cultures that they came up with said things like true, true. And it just hung out there like rotten fruit. You're just like, when are you going to fall and hit the ground? And where's Eli Roth? (laughs) (laughs) Not, you know, honestly, I'd be more interested in Eli Roth cloud Atlas. Rotten fruit. But I, there was a very mean thing that I thought, and I didn't, intended to be mean and i was watching cloud atlas and i'm like man this is a movie my mom would like and i i at the time i was thinking it's like classic cinema there's a lot of big actors in here tom hanks and then i you know my mom honestly she's much more interesting than i think she watched it and didn't like it interesting yeah i think my dad bought a bootleg oh that is something that happened my uh parents whom i've we've moved into their new place which is fantastic they're a middle unit in an apartment and they have a pool directly behind them and parking directly in front of them. It is honestly, it's kind of perfect. And they get a breeze, which is a thing that we cannot fucking conjure up in this house for some goddamn reason. A breeze? It coming through the house? Yeah, no, it, it does. Where? Not up, not downstairs. Downstairs? No, not at all. Well, because of the, you have to think about the architecture. Yeah. Yeah, I know it can't happen. Yeah. Cause we've got this thing. What's the thing? The deck. The deck does kind of fuck it up. But I've even, like from the, the deck to the garage, there's a straight shot and I've opened both and you get nothing. The, the garage is literally based in hell. If you go down there, it is 12 degrees hotter than yeah. the, the hottest part of this house. But um, we which, moved her in which there. Which we are occupying. I know. We are up here. <laughs> and you do get a breeze up here. If yeah. your room, if you have your window open and we have the what we can do up here, yeah. you get a little bit. Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, we'll have the, our sort of fake ghost sightings because doors yeah. will slam. Yeah. Or pictures fall off the fuck. I didn't yeah. tell you today. Your poster jumped off the wall. Oh, no. Yeah. It jumped off the wall, knocked your painting down. 
uh, that you hand paint. Actually, it's a 3D art. There are two canvases on top of each other. Very, it's the best thing you've ever done. I think you did that. I I did. Yeah. (laughs) I think you combined two things I did. Thank you. You're the Ryan to my Greg. That is a shout out to our uh, interview coming out this Thursday. (laughs) But um, it came down off the wall. Knocked your, your the poster, which I helped you reinforce. Uh, nothing, yeah. no damage. It destroyed the outlet. If you look at it below, oh. it, it knocked both things out and it completely shattered the cover. It's gone. But the frame is fine. All good. Uh, we should probably get a new cover for that. I don't know. I don't think it matters. I don't think an exposed cover in Spidertown, USA is good. <laughs> then we need two because two weeks ago, uh, my Murder Death Koreatown poster fell off the wall and shattered the cover below it. Why is why are you why is every poster have an outlet? <laughs> because, the club is it. Because there's what a because there's a fucking ghost and an electrician who are teaming <laughs> up <laughs> for maximum. Well, scare. there's an outlet. Let's get a poster. Well, again, it is in California. We have strict regulation uh, when you want to build an extra anything, any kind of house. Oh, man. So there are also three more outlets in this room that have not had a poltergeist oh. assault it yet. Um, it's very good. Again, on a tangent, uh, when I was helping my mom clean out her house, I go over there to throw away her garbage. Um, she had unearthed my dad's collection of bootleg videos that he holds on to like they're fucking Criterion Limited Edition. Yeah. <laughs> he will not give these little plastic cases up. And um, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you're missing out because I stole one from him. What's well, his Irish heritage? <laughs> it's something. It's it's the hoarding for sure. You do understand. You have that exact. Same oh, I thing. know. That's okay. why I'm. That's why I'm throwing everything away now, <laughs> because I'm rebelling against. <laughs> <That's> my, just, <laughs> finally, um, no, I, I stole a movie. I posted it on Instagram if you want to see it. But it is Paranormal Activity Two, uh, bootleg. And the reason I stole it is because again, I'm always talking about the haunted artifact. Like, why am I watching this movie? Where did it come from? This was the most pure interesting uh version i've ever had of this where the bootleg first the cover that the the dude used who i think was on third street some corner in third street that my dad used to frequent to buy his movies um he used paranormal activity one which caught my i'm like that's not that movie and then i realized that he had put a bunch of his own taglines on there Mm. uh one of them was uh you might want to watch this movie high another one was um the price you just paid to buy this movie is what they paid to make this movie. He put that on the cover? Yeah. Can I see it? Oh, uh, yeah. It's downstairs. I could grab it for you. Okay. You, you didn't see my... Po- oh, no. You got me muted on Instagram. No, huh? no. I unfollowed you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I would have got a notification, but I beat you to All the right, punch No, I'll, I'll look at it downstairs. That's uh, No, dude. Interesting. The other one is the price you just paid for this movie is what they paid to make this movie. So I'm like, oh, you're taking shots at it. There was a there was a third one on oh, there man. that I can't remember, but they're all mean. So I'm like a dude on the corner, put the time and effort into burning this Blu-ray, making this cutout, selling it, but then actively advertises how much he doesn't like the movie on the cover of it. That's found footage. Well, we have. Um, I think everyone in this room has benefited from a bootlegger. At, yeah, sure. at some point or another, you know, and uh, you know, and I think that there are certain people who do it right as much as you can in the world. But I, yeah, I think um, I think that I don't think bootlegging as a whole is uh, is you know morally corrupt because uh, you know there are people 
who, you know, like the bootleg guy, as you call him, yeah. you know, they, does a lot of good, you know, for, for, for film. Did I give you an update no. on bootleg guy? No. Um, Did we lose him? So bootleg guy. Oh, it's not up. It's downstairs though. He's the one that, um, when we met Takashi Miike, yeah. gave us the poster that yeah. he bootlegged and we're like, fuck it. And we got it signed. And yeah, that's great. He, um, during the lockdown, clearly, uh, him and his wife, they make all their money by just touring conventions. Like mm-hmm. they're kind of living the life. Well, during the pandemic, they're like, what the fuck are we going to do? So they could shift into other states that weren't locking down completely, but they actually bought property. So I think he owns a storefront in Las Vegas now where he uh, houses a lot of the the shit and sells books and he pivoted. So he's, yeah, he's got a real storefront. Yeah, I got my uh, copy of Visitor Q from uh, the Oh, you did. Where where were we when that oh sinister creature sinister con. creature con. shout out to them we were the the most handsome of the guests there that was almost a year ago by the way <laughs> only a year ago that was last summer really yeah I if you would ask me I would have said three years ago what was last year and we uh one of those uh, boutique guys we were supposed to have on the show yeah we can still do it it's just yeah. We, we, we haven't watched any of those movies. Did y'all watch any of those movies? Um, we should maybe watch one of the movies so. before we book I'm it. trying to get better at watching movies again. I've been a little out of the game. Well, again, you have a child. Yeah. You, you remember that? <laughs> He's down, though. He likes to watch movies. For now. Um, But that's the thing about kids. What was the last one? They change. And they grow. Yeah, he likes to bounce and a lot, too. And they spit and they shit. Again. And they steal. On the topic of uh, having a child. I would like to say Happy Mother's Day to Oksana. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, your first inaugural Mother's Day, and we're making you work. (laughs) And wait, did we intro her? (laughs) It feels like I'm not here because there's a gigantic screen blocking me. Oh, 100%. I look over there and I just see uh, Oksana Valerian of Osachi joining us on Mother's Day. Oksana, Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Now, Oksana, you have a fancy new getup over there. Uh, what is this? How is this curved screen life treating you? I'm not into it right now. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in like a wire prison right now where my mouse and microphone and headphones are all tangled. I don't know if the ratio of this gigantic screen is working right with the OBS. I don't know. You know, one day, Russell, when I throw it over to Oksana and just ask her about how her day is going, one day it's going to be something positive. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm holding out hope one day. So uh, you can't tell now because we're not recording video, but I, we have built a computer. There's a new uh, monitor and there are two cameras set up. So we're still teasing the potential of maybe doing that someday. Now I'm going to tell you this. Uh, if uh, We should put a poll out on Twitter. Um, who, is most, who is most likely to build a computer, Russell or Randy? I would vote Randy. Randy, have you ever built a computer? Uh, no, I almost did uh, during the pandemic, but then GPUs were incredibly expensive to get, so I gave yeah. up. Which um, oh, GPU? Fun fact: Right now, uh, they're the opposite. They're very cheap. Um, oh, Randy, the, the yeah, iron is hot. The shine yeah. has come off of the crypto mining thing, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of like coming uh, back. Was that what that yeah, was? Yes, the crypto mining really it ate up everything, and you got a lot of very uh uh angsty video game dudes going, oh, I can't build shit. I heard yeah. it a lot at the D&D table. Right, is that what you were? You wanted to uh, do your minor 49er for uh, crypto? 
Yeah, you guys know I'm a big uh, Bitcoin head, so I'm trying to mine some of my own over here, you know, just really uh, crank up that energy bill. <laughs> BCH Randy, dude. Bitcoin head Randy. Yeah, so again, I didn't build this computer. I had help from uh, the BFG component of David, who is our computer guy. He also is the one who did the cool 8-bit graphic for the last um, uh, F5 Virtual. I want to work with him more. He's been helping us a lot here, but... Again, me and Terrell did film something. Mm-hmm. We're playing around with the kind of a uh, now. Now that Blu-ray Tuesday is getting traction, a lot of people, again, it's not hard to figure out, but they get confused with the podcast and the Blu-ray Tuesday. So me and Terrell were talking about maybe once a week we just do something, fuck around on here. We can kind of recap both shows. We were playing around with video because whatever, we don't care. It's gonna be a casual thing, and uh, we recorded it, so that might come out eventually. We did do a little pedophile read on there, and I don't know. What? T- Terrell accused me of being on. He's like, I don't know. You're very buttoned up right now. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, I don't, yeah, that may come out. We did do a, um, the guy who played um, Chucky and Howard the Duck. Yes. Yeah. You heard about that? Oh, the, the little fella? Yeah. He got caught. He got caught by, I'm guessing, I haven't looked into them, but they seem like the vlogger type who are like, we're doing. Um, got caught doing what? Uh propositioning a 14 year old that they were pretending to be. Oh yeah. Understood. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it's kind of the scummy, um, to catch a predator thing Yeah, where you're like, you're not really like vigilantes. So, so did Chris Hansen bust him? No, Chris Hansen has been out of the game. You here for sex. No, he's doing his own thing. Is it another like pedophile thing? A hundred percent. No, this is what he has devoted his life to now. (laughs) You do know how that ended. It's like a YouTube thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's YouTube. Yeah. He's classing up the joint, man. Yeah, for size. It's uh, kind of like our discussion last week about uh, King Vaughn and the, the online documentary versus the like in-person cinematic. Yeah. I imagine Chris Hansen now is very uncinematic if it's a YouTube thing. I think Chris Hansen, um, one could uh, acquire his services um, for very cheap yeah. through Cameo.com. Yeah, uh, they did it to King Cobra. Remember, Chris I told you, yeah, he Hell reached out. Yeah. It was after again. This is years ago. If you listen to this show when we were doing the coronavirus episodes, also do people still do cameo? Is that still? Yeah, okay. our boy uh, William Montgomery, the comedian. Yeah, forty k a month. That's pretty good. Yeah, in cameo. That's so people, <laughs> people are still doing it. Um, yeah. Chris Hansen's got to make some money there too. That'd be a good one. He'd be like, hey, it's my buddy's birthday. Can you call and say happy birthday? And then also say we have proof you're a pedophile or something. Also, we, in doing this show for seven years, we have to take, anytime you throw numbers and figures out there, we have to take, uh, we, I don't know, what Randy, what do you think the math should be? So if Russell threw up $40,000 a month, I'm going to say 4000 a month. Oh, no. I just watched uh, the Kill Tony that just aired and they talked about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to, we're going to have to look it up officially. But uh, tangentially, he's looking. He's looking a lot. He was very. Um, it was kind of like uh, to bring it into your ballpark when Tim Dillon was talking about giving his ex-producer what, like fifty k. I don't know why it's my ballpark, but <laughs> because it's your whole persona, it's Tim Dillon. <laughs> it's nope. The way you dress, getting into watches, wearing Wait. sunglasses. No. Yep. <laughs> you got one out of three that he does. Well, and I did it before him. I thought the watch Thank thing you. came from him. Because no. you're like, I remember you telling me he promoted a website that was like a slot machine where you would uh, get random well, shit. That was part of it, but I was, yeah. Is But then like that didn't get me into watches. I was just like, oh, this is a thing. I thought you said you got a job in crypto because he started back in Bitcoin. 
Yeah, that's exactly. anything. Because <laughs> he had the Winklevoss twins on an interview. Well, I mean, you know, I'm a big uh, social network guy. Me too. So I was, uh, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of that. So I, I wish you would follow me on Instagram again. Uh, we got. <laughs> <laughs> we got anything else up, Tom? <laughs> you got anything? I mean, no, no TBR this week. No, and uh, my phone is in the, the middle of imploding right now. Mm. So I was just talking to Tom, and uh, you know, I've been working on this TV show thing. I've been working on the railroad. He was like, "Let me give you a one-off." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And then now I think my phone. It may be dead right now. Let me see. Back all my friends. Nine percent. Oh boy. Yeah. So we're we're getting there. I, it won't hold a charge anymore. So no. Um. Again, it is. Uh. What's the day? It's May fourteenth. It's a Sunday. Mother's uh, Day. What time is it? It's two thirty. Are you gonna spend some time with your madre today? Uh. Yeah. Um. Actually, no, I haven't. <laughs> we dropped off the boy there and said, "Later, loser." Oh my god. <laughs> Have fun watching bootlegs. Your mom babysit yeah. on Mother's Day. She asked him. Well, even so, he's an angel. Randy, have you called your mother? Uh, I did. We FaceTimed uh, a couple hours ago. Excellent. I have to call mine. I called for her yesterday. roughly fifteen minutes, which is pretty good for me. I, uh, I'm not a big talker for anybody. Yeah, which is why you're great on the podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah! Also, before we move into the 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 rest of the show, I'll say that I almost did a thing that I texted Clark about. Uh, yes. So yesterday I went and saw Bobcat Goldthwaite, uh, here at the Atlanta comedy theater underground. And I thought it would be funny yeah. if I ordered a Blu-ray copy of Willow Creek and then had him sign it and then hide it from Russell. But, uh, I, I figured that, uh, you know, I'm not one that's going to go talk to the talent anyways. I think Clark is Aww. with me on this. So, uh, as soon as he was done, I left through the exit and didn't say hi to anybody. So. Was the but, exit uh, through the gift shop? Oh, it, it, it was, yeah. But the show was good, and uh, I mentioned it to you guys uh, in in text, but I'll mention it here on the podcast. There was a dra- a one legged drag queen that attended the show that he uh, did some crowd work with. It was pretty good. I mean, you gotta when it's on a tee, you take a swing. Her name or their name was uh, Eileen, and their drag name is Eileen Slightly. Oh man, that's a round the basis. How old? That's a home run. Uh, I, I I couldn't tell. I don't know. Probably like forty something. So um, our uh, compadre Terrell's at DragCon currently, and yeah. we've DragCon. Yeah, DragCon. That's a thing. No, it's a big thing. I bet. Yeah. Um, and Lord, he's out there kicking it with the drag queens, and I keep. I've had a couple of conversations about old drag, like what it meant and like new drag and like new drags kind of like a superficial, like, Hey, look at me. We're having fun. Uh, I imagine that Eileen slightly is more of an old drag queen where you're kind of like crass, a truth teller kind of in line with the uh, traditional clown, like through jest, we can speak truth where now they're not really that anymore. And they're kind of like a uh, party act doing backflips. And I, I think the one leg might be a little bit of a hindrance getting on the RuPaul's show. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you know more about the world than I do, but yeah, they seemed older, uh, you know, not not young, but um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was fun. He went into, uh, it, it got kind of dark from there, but he went into like his uh, process doing uh, the movie Call Me Lucky. 
Um, and he was just like, you know, he was talking to her, like doing crowd work and stuff. He's like, I, you know, I support drags. Like, I don't know, you know, we're in the, the South and stuff. And he was talking about call me lucky. And he was just, uh, Clark asked if he went political and he went, uh, rather political here. He's like, you know, I was interviewing all these people with, uh, a few stories and I never once heard anybody that was, uh, groomed by a person in drag. They were all priests. So, uh, he's like, yeah, I support priests or I, I support drag. And he's like, fuck priests. Uh, and it was, it was good. It got a good, uh, a good, uh, applause. I would say, I will say the audience was very small, uh, and everyone, <laughs> there was the numbers a, or height <laughs> numbers, the, uh, the opener and the host and the feature all kind of commented on how awkward it kind of was. I think maybe at most there was 50 people in the room. How big is the room? How many people it, could you fit in the room otherwise? Probably at least double that. Okay. I'd say it probably could fit like, yeah, 125 maybe if I were to guess. It looked like at least half empty slash half full if you're an optimist. <laughs> was, was everyone still kind of spread out within that or was everyone sort of congregated towards the front? Everyone congregated congregated towards the front, which, which was good. good. It wasn't too, uh, yeah, it wasn't awkward. There was, yeah, everyone that was there definitely looked like they were, uh, you know, fans of Bobcat Goldthwait and kind of knew who he was. So you got a very good, although the audience was small, it was very good, uh, reaction. That's the thing, man, is, uh, you do what you do with the best, what you got. And I'll never forget. I was working with, uh, the great Rich Scheidner one time and, uh, he came in and it was like a, I was opening for him. And he, he had been, you know, he's not a household name, but he's a guy who's been work, doing stand-up for a long, long time. And, uh, and also was the subject of a documentary that was pretty big about comedy. And um, we had him for the weekend. And, you know, I meet him and we get downstairs and there are four people <laughs> downstairs. And it it didn't really phase him. He's like, well, we got a show to do and let's do it. And like his yeah. energy, like, and you know, I had to go and start the show and just like, you know, his energy kind of carried me through it and and he had a great show and it was, it was, it was great for the, you know, the four people that were there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's the thing, man, you gotta, you gotta do with what you got. And, uh, yeah. That would have been a nightmare for me if I was in the audience. <laughs> It's that's the thing. It's <laughs> like, like fuck, dude. That's no. that, and you have to you have to address it. Yeah. And then once you do that, the, the audience is like, "Hey, you make it a communal thing," and that's that's how you do it. Um, you know, and also, well, you know, I probably told this story on the show before, but um, you know, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention they did the same thing, where there were more people on stage than there was in the crowd. Yeah. So during the show slowly people in the stage would swap places with someone in the band and then they would pl- try to play the Damn. instrument. How was it opening for them? Mothers of Adventure? <laughs> yeah. uh, it was very hard because I was pre-Zygote oh, stage. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, d- I didn't have a whole lot of uh, things to do. Um, was the Snyder thing at Schneider? Who, Rich? What, was Schneider. That, was that at uh, Purple Onion? Mm-hmm. I like that area. Is that gone now, Purple Onion? I think the bar. I think uh, I think the bar's still there. I don't know if they're doing anything, but um, the original Purple Onion that that uh, that business that took over that shuttered. Oh, uh, it did not survive COVID nineteen oh, coronavirus. Another casualty. 
Anyway, Randy, uh, it's funny you were talking about Bobcat and doing a bit about Willow Creek because I believe Clark was there with us when we went to go see Call Me Lucky, and I did bring a copy. I was not. You were not there? Oksana, who was with us? With Terrell? It might have just been us. Oh, I felt like we were a trio, but we did. We went to go see that uh, very serious uh Oh yeah, bleak. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, full of life film. Yeah, and I brought a copy of Willow Creek, <laughs> and I got in line, and I said, "I am so fucking sorry. This <laughs> nice. movie is incredible, and I feel like a dork bringing your Bigfoot movie here." And he said, uh, "Don't. I love this movie." And then he, uh, uh, who did it? Z- Zero Friends? Is that uh, where the artist is from that did the cover? Yeah. Alex Party. Thank you, Alex Party did that cover where it's like Bigfoot covered in eyes. And um, Bobcat pulled up his sleeve and he had it tattooed on his forearm. And he was like, no, no, I fucking love this movie. I'm lying. I didn't bring a Blu-ray. I brought a fucking uh, poster. Mm-hmm. It was like a one sheet. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So we got it signed. So fuck you, Randy. Was Barry <laughs> Crimmins at the... I don't think so. Okay. No. Um, although the corpse of Robin Williams was. Hey. <laughs> All right. Now the tone's proper to start the show. All right, Randy Michael. What'd you say? <laughs> Yeah, besides uh, seeing Bobcat Goldthwait, I watched uh, another movie by Amanda Kramer, who I talked about her, uh, another movie she did recently. I think these came out kind of around the same time. Uh, what was it? Please, Baby, Please, uh, someone I talked about uh, with Andre Riseborough and I uh, liked it quite a bit. Uh, so her new-ish one that is on um, VOD platforms, I think it's like a, it's one of the $6 rentals or whatever. Uh, it's called Give Me Pity. Um, and essentially, the concept of the movie is that you're watching a primetime Saturday night, uh, sort of like a network or like a cable access uh, television, uh, like an hour and a half yeah. long like special. Um, and it basically just features one, one person uh, who is played uh, by... Sophie von Hasselberg. Sophie von Hasselberg, yeah. Uh, who's very great. She gives a very, like, very committed performance. She does a lot of, like, just kind of goofy things in here. She sings a lot. There's, like, a lot of, like, music in it. Uh, I will say that it, it did start off in a uh, in a tone that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to vibe with the whole time, but about, like, 10 minutes in, I was, I was very into it. It's very stylish, kind of like uh, Please Baby Please was. Um, it does feel kind of like uh, like a, th- a little theatrical, like it feels like this could be just like a, uh, you know, like a small, like black box theater, uh, type of play or something too. But, uh, it's also like, you know, like it, it's shot like a eighties or nineties, uh, TV special type of thing. It's very sort of like glossy. There's a lot of like, uh, sort of like sparkles from like the lighting, like on her, like clothing and stuff. So it's very, uh, there's a lot of just like really great, like production design. And it just really goes for it. It really reminded me of kind of like the experience of uh, seeing WNUF, how it's like just so committed to being this like uh, sort of television specialty thing. And um, yeah, so it's uh, essentially, it's kind of cut up into parts where essentially like there's, it's kind of like a variety show. So it'll, there'll be like a chapter and it'll say like whatever describes the next segment. Um, and then from the beginning, uh, towards the end, it gets a little trippier, like throughout the, the, uh, runtime of the movie. I think it's like a little less than 90 minutes. If I'm remember correctly, yeah, it's like, uh, it's one twenty. 
Um, so it gets a little trippy, the audio, like there's cool sound design and stuff. Um, very, yeah, like I said, a very stylish, very much like her other movie that I saw. Um, and yeah, the performance is great. Uh, like I said, really, really goes for it. The music is cool. Uh, it definitely sounds like sort of 80s, 90s uh, sort of stuff, but there's also kind of like more experimental stuff and like weird ambiance and it gets like kind of experimental. Um, yeah, I, this is another very uh, interesting movie uh really liked from her uh definitely interested to see what she does from here it's uh yeah i i would highly recommend it like i said it does start uh for me it started a little little goofy but i don't know i i really really enjoyed it randy i missed this during fantastic fest i remember this uh uh, showing and uh as soon as i saw the cover i was like yes Another yeah. one of Clark's missed opportunities. <laughs> now, what you talked about is that, you know, it it has an aesthetic that you don't care for in that because it's it sort of, are you talking about that VHS washed out sort of uh, thing that you hate? Uh, it wasn't really so much the visual aesthetic. I think it was just like the opening song and kind of like, I just needed to kind of like to set into the world that the movie was taking place in. Um, gotcha. and then, yeah, I, you know, I felt comfortable like 10 minutes in and I was like, okay, I, I see what they're doing here. It's like, you know, it's very stylized and kind of heightened. Um, and then, yeah, it's like I said, it gets a little psychedelic and you're kind of like just experiencing this character show where, uh, it kind of seems like she's going crazy throughout the show. She sees like this masked character off, um, sort of off the, off the set. Um, that kind of like starts to provoke these sort of like psychological, uh, sort of psychedelic sort of um, experiences in the movie. Eh, don't they always? Yeah, you don't strike me as like a variety show guy, Randy. Yeah, I don't. Not, not really. I mean, I can't really say that I've I've seen much, but I uh, I don't. Like I said, it, it really remind, reminded me of WNUF, and also like a little bit of sort of uh, what's her name, Anna Biller, the Love Witch, just like yeah. how like uh perfectly like styled everything is from like the fashion and sort of like the backgrounds and everything it just like it could probably fool somebody that this did not come out in 2022 yeah the set design and the tech lined up to make an era aesthetic that is like perfect yeah um so i you're saying wnuf do you think it counts as an in-world movie maybe yeah i would uh there's definitely some parts that I think it would technically break that. Like some of the, like I said, she kind of sees this like masked character off the set. So I think that would technically be like a point of view from her person that isn't a camera technically, but there isn't a ton of that. So I don't, I think like in theory, you could probably play it at like a, you know, at a, uh, at an uff and kind of like make a, uh, make a case for it well it it does sound like a hybrid film when you frame it like that but that would totally be in line with like all the adult swim like uh yeah it feels a little like for sure yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say i i love that i i think um thinking of television as kind of like a historic or like like there's it's so primed for it. You just take the parameters they have and do it. And I think a variety show, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I mean, we're all familiar with Scream too and what they did with the drama with the mask on stage. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I'm kind of into when Randy's like, oh, I watched the new Amanda Kramer film and he put on his uh, smoking hat and jacket. I was like, oh, okay. smoking, j- smoking hat. <laughs> Isn't that is a thing? A, what is a smoking hat? <laughs> I don't One of those like that guy uh, with the pipe. Doesn't he have like a weird hat on? No. Yeah, I think there's there's a, I'm going to Google it right now. It's a smoking jacket. OK, he may have a hat on, but it's not a smoking hat. It's not a thing. Randy can do. Oh, nope. They pop up. Uh, I, it believes that the Victorian's men's black velvet fez looking thing is a smoking hat. Okay. Oh, well, the fez, that would, <laughs> if it's a velvet, then that would make sense because it's the same. But like, yeah, you know, smoking hat. Why would velvet change anything? Well, it's, it's a smoking jacket because it doesn't stick to it. The odor. The odor. Mm-hmm. Oh, Interesting. That's why you have smoking jackets. Ah, I thought it was just because culture. You look cool. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's it, it, it actually is a utilitarian. Uh, I get it. And when you're smoking weed, you want it to stick. Yeah. So that's why you don't wear. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm learning shit. But yeah, Randy, I'm I'm kind of interested in. It. Is it available right now? Uh, yeah, just VOD um, rental. You know me. All right, Randy. What else you got? Uh, yeah, I watched a, uh, another new movie release, uh, oh came out on Friday. Do we have the clip? Uh, um, we should. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking Everybody. for the $6 rental when I was doing that. <laughs> uh, yes, a, a new movie release, uh, called The Five Devils, uh, oh by... Leia Maysui, I believe is how you pronounce her name. I just watched a Nailed YouTube it. video uh, where someone uh, interviewed her. So I believe that's uh, how to pronounce it. Um, it is, uh, it features um, one of the leads from um, Blue is the Warmest Color, uh, Adele XR Kufalos. Uh, and essentially she is a sort of younger mother um, named Joan. And the father, Jimmy, is a... Uh, they have some history, uh, essentially that you find out through the movie where essentially Joan, when she was younger, um, had a sort of a fling with his sister, uh, when they were like in their, I don't know, twenties or something. Um, but then, yeah, she eventually married, uh, Jimmy, like I said, um, and had a kid, uh, with him. So there's kind of this, uh, tension in the relationship in the movie when um the sister shows up because she uh needs some help i guess i don't i don't 100 remember why she shows up but the the child that they have together um is uh essentially she has like it starts kind of early on where you see the child has these like jars that she's like collecting and they're like labeled and like one of them says like mom number three and then you find out later there's one that says like a different person's name. And there's one that says like mom number one and mom number two. And you're like, not exactly sure what's going on, but you find out that she has like a really like intense, um, like sense of smell that like seems sort of supernatural, uh, to an extent. And then you also see, um, that part of this, uh, she has this one jar where essentially she opens it up and she like, you know, sniffs whatever's in it and she sort of passes out and then either dreams or time travels or astral projects into scenes of her mother um and the Gross. woman that she had a fling with um who she is now married to 
uh, that woman's brother. Um, so she eventually, yeah, the, the young daughter, uh, essentially like time travels into these certain periods of, uh, her mom's life where she was not born. And she's kind of like observing her mom's life from whatever is happening. Um, overall it has a like really like good, like sense of like visual style. Um, there's like a, essentially just like a really cool, like poster of, a. Uh, of fire and like some of the, the uh, main characters in it that is very uh, sort of just provokes sort of the visual style throughout the movie. Um, and a lot of the acting uh, and performances were really good. A lot of great French actors. Um, but yeah, I, it kind of feels like two movies that don't necessarily match up together. It kind of felt like two different things. Like there's kind of this weird supernatural, maybe sci-fi type of thing going on that they don't, go super into then there's this sort of like you know relationship drama thing happening at the same time um but overall i was i was with it uh pretty much the whole time watching it but i just say uh, i kind of wish it was just a little more cohesive and that like sort of all the uh the pieces fit together a little better but um i don't if you got movie i'd say it's a it's definitely a, a recommend so how many actual devils were in the making of this picture, Randy? Uh, they get into it. There's there's roughly five. So I, when you were talking about the this movie at the beginning, I, I had to go urinate. So I apologize. Yeah. So what is um, what what genre are we in here? What territory are we de- dealing with, Randy, with our five uh, Diablos? Uh, it's definitely you know like art housey drama first, but it does feel kind of like supernatural at times. Um, Do we go to spooky town? Not really. Like I mentioned the daughter, the young daughter that, uh, Joan and, uh, Jimmy have, she, it seems like she has some sort of supernatural thing going on. And then she, yeah, she like sort of like time travels throughout the movie to times where she didn't exist. And then she's observing uh, her mother and um, the person she kind of uh, was in love with uh, previously. So I don't know. It's a, like I said, it's definitely, you know, well, it is a movie, a movie release. So it's definitely more art house than it is like genre or thriller or anything. But I don't know. It's some amalgamation of those, those three things. Love it. Sounded hot, dude. That's what I was thinking when I saw the trailer and there's a butt immediately. <laughs> Is there? Yeah. Clark just saw it. There's a butt. Co-sign me. There's a Hell butt yeah. in the water. <laughs> it's a mud butt, dude. Ooh. Now, like Rick, a butt. <laughs> I do, you know, when you were talking, it's a bummer because this looks like a movie that was probably uh, got some interesting cinematography going on. And on, yeah. Inst- on um, Internet Movie Database, there's none of that. The best we got was the alternate posters, which that's my favorite. Los Cinco Diablos. That's a better title. Los Cinco yeah. Diablos. Yeah. So what what did you rate it, Randy? Three. Three point five. Like I said, Whoa, I really enjoyed what? watching it. I just uh I don't know. Like I said, it just uh it didn't feel super cohesive, but like I said, I, I really enjoyed my experience watching it, but I don't know. I it, it felt like it was going for with the uh, child potentially having sort of some su- sort of supernatural thing, it felt kind of like 
it was maybe going to go uh, a little bit towards the innocence, which I don't know if either of you ever saw that I talked about here. No, I've, I've almost watched it. It's got that little girl on the cover. I remember you covering it. I prefer yeah. the return of innocence. Return by in- Sure. That's funny. Because when you, when you were gone, uh, Randy was talking about how the little girl was smelling shit in jars. And I kept thinking of, ah, the Jujimufu um, smelling salt. Ah. Yeah. So, ah, and ya. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> and it's a movie of the week. You know, oh, ah, movie. Ah, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That was Randy watching the movie. He's like, I don't really get why I like it, but oh, man. Oh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Moo. <laughs> what did you do in the bathroom? <laughs> you don't want to know. It's Mother's Day, dude. I'm partying. Anything else, Randout? No, sir. Yesterday. <laughs> Seems so very far away. Who is that? A Beatles. Oh, good job. I hate him. Sorry, Daryl Blood. I love you, though. Oh, he loves his Beatles. Okay, we're going to squash the beef with the Beatles. What? We got Beetle beef? <laughs> I got Beetle beef. What's wrong? What's your Beetle beef? <laughs> I'm just a big fan of the juice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I guess... <laughs> That's just Come what we're on, baby. Today. We're playing racquetball with the SN. Let's oh, do it. Racquetball. Racquetball's not in there. It's pickleball now, dude. What the fuck is you're making this shit up? What are you talking pickleball about? Pickleball is huge pickleball, right pickleball, now. Pickleball's the most it is sweeping the country. <laughs> it is. And you have you've never heard of it? No, it's not real. Dude, Randy, how popular is pickleball? Very popular, and I also hear about it every week on uh, the This Is Important podcast as uh, Kyle Newichek is a big pickleball ball player. All right. Pickleball's out there, dude. It's Y'all listen to the same lame-ass white people podcast. That's why you know about dumb shit like pickleball. No, I just, I'm just i just out there in the world, dude. <laughs> pickleball's out there. If you're out there, you see pickleball. That's it. God, in the, in the world of grocery products, you are the king of the sport. Thank you so much. Yesterday. Ventured into uh, the fair city of San Francisco, California, to uh, check in with a film that is uh, showing limited theatrically run. I hope it gets a bigger release because uh, it certainly deserves that. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about a new movie that is following uh, a pattern that we're seeing where it's a brand is getting a movie now. And not only is a brand getting a movie, that's the name of the movie, is the brand. And it's Blackberry. Now, here's why. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's perfect. I, I wouldn't love a movie about Apple called Apple. It wouldn't work. You know why? Why? Because Apple's still a thing. Blackberry's dead. It's gone. And what at one time... Apple? What'd you say, Rain? What about air? Well, air, but see, air, air works because you know it's it's Air Jordan, but you you get the word it works in there. I see how that. What about Tetris? Okay, yeah, see, that's the thing. And that, uh, yeah, a really good subgenre, by the man, way. Man, <laughs> it's like all these came out at once, and you get bombarded with it, and and I really think that that's gonna hurt BlackBerry. Um. But it shouldn't, because I think BlackBerry is the best out of oh, all you, the ones I've seen. You mean the movie? Yeah. Okay. The movie, like the company. I I really I really enjoyed Air. I thought Air did a good job. 
Blackberry, I enjoyed more than air. Um, oh, now I get it. This is kind of another like goofy comedy kind of. So uh, written yeah. and directed by director. Matt Johnson, who is uh, from the found footage uh, Hall of Fame, I would say. <laughs> Uh, from the Dirties and Operation Avalanche, uh, Russell Operation Operation Avalanche is uh, the first movie ever reviewed uh, yeah, on, the, on TBR. the TBR. I remember report. I reviewed it. <laughs> I know you know. I'm just. I also uh, remember Matt Johnson because I reached out to him back when I used to do it. Yeah, and uh, we had him on the hook. Now and again, again, this was <laughs> this was year one. Early. This I, was seven years ago. On. I like how you're like. Trying to like soften the blow. He, I think he thought we were um, the Overlook Film Festival. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not the vultures that flew into New Orleans to be like, what's a spooky area that we can be? None of those people are from the fucking town. If you're doing a film fest, be a local. All right, end of that rant. Not a yokel. Also, we're not associated. So Matt said, "Fuck off, Overlook Hour." And sent a brown bag full of dog shit to my front porch. That's yep. why and, we had to move. Uh, never talk to us ever again. <laughs> but, um, and also, it, um, if you haven't seen uh, The Dirties or Operation Avalanche, please do yourself a favor and, and check those out. Um, but, and I don't know why, you know, it, 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 that just shows you what kind of guy I am. I'm going to plug people who refuse to come on this show, even if, if because I still like their movies. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you, you did want to out somebody who you thought listened to the show. Yeah, but we worked and that then, out, didn't we? I know. I talked you off the ledge. Okay, don't come in I'm here like, acting like you I'm were like, the gun fucking away, Gandhi I'm, over here <laughs> calming me down. I'm like, this is the Bay Area. We know our trigger no, discipline. You Get know me. <laughs> I love bits. And I was going to turn that into a bit. I get it. And so, you know, you, you told me against that, but it was fine. Um, <laughs> even if I had turned it into a bit. I could have flipped it around. Yeah, I know. I have faith in you. That's what we do. Uh, also, do you see who else is in this movie? Uh, Car- yeah, my favorite. Carrie Elwes is in here, baby. All right, let's 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 get focused here. Ironside, too. So, here's the thing. This movie, with air, you could tell that this was a giant production. At no point do you feel like cut uh, corners are being cut here, but it it it's a much more. This still feels more like an independent movie on on some areas. Um, however, um, it moves like a studio picture. Um, you know, in in its pacing, um, the big difference here is the characters. There's the the. There's not a ton of trying to fill in, um, you know, back-end information with needless, you know, exposition. Um, Everything is all pretty straightforward, and we're hanging out with these characters. And, um, you know, honestly, it it feels... it's a much more startup friendly environment and it's a much more startup friendly movie in this, uh, because that's how Blackberry started is that these just, these bunch of nerds, uh, had something good and they, they needed a guy with marketing skills to take their product to the next level. And that's where Glenn Howerton's character shows up. Uh, Glenn Howerton plays Jim uh, Basile, um, who is, 
you know, ended up being the co-CEO of BlackBerry with Mike Lazaridis, uh, played by Jay Baruchel. Um, these two, I don't think these two have ever been better. Uh, it, perfect. And then also Matt Johnson, the director and writer of the film, he plays the third banana. Uh, basically sort of, you know, he was um, Jay's, uh, Mike Lazaridis' go-to guy in the company before they brought on the, you know, third, the, you know, the outside CEO. And uh, you can see that sort of power structures start to pop him out of place a little bit. Um, but uh, he ended up being okay as uh, when he left the company. Um, he got all of his stock out right at the tip. Did you know at in 2007, BlackBerry owned 50% of the cell phones in the domestic market? No. 50%. I believe it were BlackBerry. And so when he pulled out of his stock in 2007, um, it was worth a lot. What was the other half? Razor? So he's, he's, he's worth over a billion dollars today. At the end of the movie, it's like, he's secretly one of the richest men in the world. Um, and also all, but, and he, he kind of, he came across as the party guy. Um, nothing, nothing got in the way of movie night. Movie night was sacred. At BlackBerry, uh, before all these other people came in and, and started changing the business, and but yeah, I I do like that sort of the the startup atmosphere and and then the marriage of the hard heartless corporate world, you know, penetrating that and killing the dreams and streamlining everyone's favorite word um, on certain things. Um, I will say. Uh, Russ, there is a great use of, uh, foreshadowing here using a, um, a telecom, uh, Chekhov's telecom <laughs> is it, uh, more specifically, actually, uh, Chekhov's, uh, static, I would say. Um, and I'll, I'll just say this, that they, you could go ahead and spoil. Well, it. Randy's I mean, going to see the movie, and, oh, okay. uh, and here's and and, and there, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing spoily here. But what I what I will say though is that in the theater, the audience laughed when that paid off, because but I found it to be profoundly sad when that happened. Um, so Randy, make up your mind how you feel about the static at the end of the movie. Um, because at the end you do realize that he sold his soul and, um, that, you know, it, it was just, a, a the writing here is really, really good. And the, the characters are very good. Like I said, Glenn Howerton, uh, who we all know is Dennis, uh, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, he, he plays a guy who, when you go to the Alamo, uh, sometimes as a part of the pre-show, occasionally they'll throw in like interviews. Um, and they interviewed Glenn Howerton before, and he had talked about that he didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare for the role. Um, as, um, can, can, I can't, what's his name? Jim, as Jim uh, Basile. So he was going to portray this guy as he interpreted him in script. And so he said, you know, I don't, I didn't really have a whole lot of time to learn about Jim and how he really is outside of, you know, you know, just how he was. So I had to make up my mind through what I thought this guy was in the script. And, you know, he plays a maniac and is screaming through most of the movie. And it's great. Some people know how to scream and yell 
Some people yell very well. Some people don't know how to yell. If you know how to yell, yell. Glenn Howerton, it worked. It, um, it was intimidating, and it was funny. And Jay Baruchel plays a, a troubled genius who just can't put it all together. And he needed that hard hammer. And that's where Basile came in and, you know, they were able to unite. Um, so, yeah, you get a lot of that. It's also very Canadian and a lot of hockey. Uh, they actually brought Don Cherry has a cameo appearance, which I know I know uh, we've actually talked about Don Cherry on this show um, with our uh, dear friends in, in Canada, um, uh, Lee and Chris. Do you remember that? We're talking about Don Cherry. You remember who Don I Cherry do, is? No. He's a he's a great hockey uh, analyst who wears outlandish uh, jacket suit jackets, um, and also he says uh, inappropriate things on television. But he was on the he was in the movie. Um, you get a man, cherry I, and a blackberry in the same film. Oh, Randy! Yeah. Um, oh, in no world am I ever going to watch this movie. <laughs> this movie's great. This movie's God, great. It sounds it sounds like a cautionary tale for a tech bro. And I'm like not into that at all. I know you and um, Randy are still kind of in that world. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I get it. it well, no, but- I mean, it's it's fun. I just, here's the thing. I like movies that explore a very specific thing and we get knee deep in it. And if it's business world, that's cool. I'm fine with yeah, it. Yeah, but isn't this like less documentary exploration and more biopic recreation? Well, again, it's telling a story, but it's yeah. telling a story that is both familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. Because we all know BlackBerry, but we don't know shit about the company. Yeah, but it's a question I never asked either. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like if you're going to do a biopic, yeah. do it this way. Because it's way more unexplored than showing us a movie about Elvis, the most famous person ever. And then putting Tom Hanks in a fat suit. Uh, well, you didn't like it? I couldn't make it through it. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I couldn't do it. Randy, did you watch I have, it? You know I have strong Aslerman no. problems. I think, what, I think what's interesting is, well, Clark already kind of mentioned it, is that BlackBerry was so like such a big name and like such a big holder in the smartphone industry. And like it hasn't really been that long. And now everyone just has an iPhone and like nobody knows what, yeah. a, what blackberry is that's uh it's part of the movie the, blackberry uh, felt and again i was waiting tables when blackberry came out and the whole phone thing was like this new reality and everybody had a bluetooth in their ear remember when you would oh, walk yeah. around with that and like if you were really hot shit you had a blackberry and a bluetooth and it, the blackberry crowd i fucking hated them because the blackberry didn't feel like a phone it felt like work yeah. Like that was the thing. It's all the aesthetic yeah. was just like, oh, I don't like you. Like, you know, instantly. So, so I, I, I wanted to know that 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 was 100% manufactured by the marketing. Oh, bad choice. Oh, yeah. no. Perfect choice. It worked for him because that was the thing. It's like it, he, he told his AE team, uh, the sales team, to, to go out in public, run up the bill, drink, uh-huh. party. But always had that blackberry in their hand. He said, "I want you to make a scene because people are going to look at you. They're going to see, you know, what you have in your hand, and they want to be a part of it too." And it worked. Um, and so they went after it. You know that. Yeah. 
They found their crowd. 100%. The effect it always had on me was like, I don't want to know you. I get <laughs> like, it. Get away from no, me. No, for sure. Um, also, side note, if my phone wasn't imploding right now, I'd pull it up. But I got a text from one of our first Should've guests, Kaja Ram, who, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't hear that, Randy. I said you should have got a BlackBerry. It's not as funny now, repeating it. <laughs> I know. That's why I did it. Uh, who texted me and took a picture of a book that he was reading about YouTube. Now, the um, Fridays that I always talk about waiting tables at was the one down the street from YouTube. And they have a big write-up on it in there. And they used to talk about all the evil plans they would go do and how they would order. And I felt it felt so good to comment and uh text back and be like, you know, they never fucking tip. They were awful. I remember one time they brought people shirts. That was the most they did when they were sitting there talking about, wow, we all have $64 million. Uh, Just having been a person who waited yeah. that table yeah. and it would, they would always sit outside furthest from the kitchen and order a fucking eight apple teenies. <laughs> if you had to walk it, dude, fuck y'all. Oh, we got 64 million. Now what are we going to do? Not tip the waiter. That's what they're going to do. So Blackberry <laughs> is great. They have probably all had Blackberries too. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I, I, I just, I, I really like the movie a lot. Um, I like the pacing, the characters. Like I said, the writing is, is really good. And uh, Randy, let me know what you think about Chekhov Static. Uh, when you're able to uh, check out the movie, that was a, it. It threw me off because the 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 crowd they were laughing. I was like, man, I I get it, but like I'm sad. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. Uh, something that I enjoyed as well, and we'll get into it. And I think um, I'll try to keep this brief because uh, you know it's it's been a while since it's been out. But I finally saw Scream Six. As it uh, hit that uh, hit that uh, rental, um, okay. So we we've talked about Scream Six uh, in you know several shows, and so I I just uh, wanted to to bring up my thoughts here. I really good. It's really good, but the killers. No, thank you. What element of it? I didn't. Can, all right, so we. We'll put, let's spoil it. It's been out long enough. Can we do it? Yeah. yeah. All right, let's do it. Sorry. So if you want to tie back to the previous scream, great. I get you know, with Dewey. I, cause he was great. Everybody liked that kid. Um, the, the guy from the boys, but then okay. to make his family, the killers, it was lame. Okay. So your gripe is with the story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the gripe is with the story, um, which again, I I think as a whole, I don't put a whole lot of value in there with that. Yeah. Um, because everything else was, was fun. I had fun with this. Um, and you know, I, I, it was, it felt like it was a much bigger scale. Oh yeah. And like the whole, the, the whole like, um, uh, shrine of all the stab, uh, movies and yeah. all that stuff in the theater. Uh, in the yeah. theater, like you know, that felt. I yeah, I I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It was just kind of oh okay, this is uh, I don't know. I w when things go so big, I get uncomfortable. <laughs> Scream's big though. They got the a lot of money in big. that franchise. Yeah. Oh, and they spent it here. Yeah. This has to be the most expensive one. Um, it did make the most money. 
And so also, far. is this the first time we've had three killers? Yeah. Uh, technically, there's more. If you include the opening. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Love the opening. Yeah. Same. Here's the problem with the opening. I knew we weren't going to be able to... I, I knew as how strong that opening was... I knew I knew the 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 ending was going to be weak. Yeah, but that that opening was a shot at like uh A24. That's what I'm talking I strongly believe that. Because it was it felt like the filmmaker saying we could make this movie, but we're actively choosing not to. And what we're going to do is what we do, which is like, you know, it's like the MCU. Like this is the Scream universe. We're going to have a Scooby gang we're going to have multiple killers. It's going to be kind of campy, but we're going to be tethered in reality. Yeah. And you, yeah, like I think you juxtapose that opening, which felt like any kind of A24. It's uh, even the pacing is different. It's kind of highly critical of horror. She's a film professor. There's so many dr- homage. It, like, felt, it felt like a scream opening. No, it not did at to all. me. Tonally, it didn't at all. It did to me because I, it, they, they, you know, they, they start going into movie talk and it was like, okay. Well, that's what I was saying of the new Scream. I think it is kind of the bastion of uh, film love now. Like, it's really a franchise about movies at yeah. this point. And I think that first part was kind of a, here's your, like, yeah, like, you know, uh, highbrow horror, which we're not doing. When, you know, and then you even get that, like, last podcast on the left that's so in frame. Like, it feels like it's using that as, like, a pivot point. Yeah. Like, we're getting out of, like modern day self-aware discussion and we're going right back into what we've been doing which you know at the end of the movie there's 48 stabs don't bring a person down a uh, girl gets gutted on a subway and it was brutal. Up later it's a lot yeah uh it's it's a lot of and that's what i was talking about with choreography in a movie like D where people like that system actively has healing built into it like a video game i'm like i would expect that from there where you could beat the shit out of a character and keep them alive. Where in this movie, it was like literally two ghost face are holding a dude out and stabbing him in the most brutal killing. And then he doesn't die. Yeah. Which I'm not mad at. It's just, it's a, it feels like a new kind of trope or something. Yeah. Those, yeah. yeah, for sure. And so, yeah. Also a little too long. Um, I do like, how uh, I, I flipped on uh, Gail Weathers, and I—I I know I mentioned this at the time, but you oh, might you get it now. Before she died, she didn't die. They didn't kill her. No. Oh, were you probably on your phone at the end? <laughs> no, she's in the hospital. Lame. She doesn't die. All right, this movie sucks. Two stars. <laughs> Nobody dies. Fucking dude. kill her, dude. We talked about this movie eighty times. It's nobody dies too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I will say the, the subway scene didn't last as long as I thought it was based upon what you were saying with it. Yeah. But like, yes, There's a we lot all of knew it. it was coming. Yeah. Um, and we're just exploring with the camera a lot and it's like ratcheting up, but it like, yeah, I'm like, all right. I could imagine. Honestly, I think that scene lasted that long because there's a lot of Easter eggs in there. Like, did you see the Babadook? Nope. Yeah, there's a lot of shit. The voice actor who does Ghostface does another character that appears on the book. Yeah, there's a lot of shit. I like five more. Oh, you're tripping. Five is no bueno. Five is fun. Also, the audience um, appreciation in six, not fan service, them paying attention to the reaction of the internet, but not like giving into it. I think it, it did wonders for it. Like turning the final girl that everybody hated 
and like using that energy in the new movie and making her hated, like literally where people walk up and are yeah, no, her. that was yeah, yeah, that was I, good. That was I great. really like that. I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. The Modesto Queen. And Oksana, next time we're in Modesto, we got to go to the film location. <laughs> but here we are, Scream Five. All right, now, now for something that uh, is, the, is the reason why you come to the Overlook Hour is for things just like this. Last Friday, Russell John the Fisherman, Oksana Valeria Navozachi, and myself. Also, someone else was there, but we're not going to mention who that was because they're not on the show. I can't remember. Dan. Oh, Dan. <laughs> the mouth mage. He's been on here before. Danime. Remember that great segment? Uh-huh. For all you long-time listeners. <laughs> Dude, Danime was tight. <laughs> Okay. Um, the thing about senpai. <laughs> we just had that music playing. It was good. So last Friday at the Balboa Theater here in San Francisco, California, uh, was a showing. I, 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 it wasn't the premiere. Let's call it the California premiere. I assume it was, whatever that means, mm-hmm. of Tommy Wiseau's Big Shark. Now, this is a the long-awaited sophomore uh directorial effort from Tommy, right? Yeah. We've been waiting on this movie for quite some time. Uh, I think, I think it took four to five years to make a uh, big shark. I think longer. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, who knows that that's what we'll yeah, say. You'll never know. We'll never know how long it took. Uh, first and foremost, um, as you know, Tommy's, uh, your relationship with the truth is s- slanted at best. Um, Tommy was there in attendance, along with Greg Sestero, um, along with another actor in the film who Tommy gave no attention to whatsoever and did a Q&A with Greg, who's not in the movie. Briefly. I think you pointed it out, right? He's like a news anchor or something. He's barely in it. I don't. I didn't notice him in the movie. I said that after. I was it, like, is he in it? It might have been uh, Dan then that pointed it out. Okay. Because we're like, Greg's not in the fucking movie. Yeah. And I remember when we were talking about it on here. Because he's in the cast. Yeah, and he wasn't listed on IMDb at the time. But then in the theater, we looked it up. Wait, is he not listed again? He is. Georgie, wherever that is. What? what? Left. Oh, okay. Georgie won. Georgie oh, a won. flashback. Because that's the other. Oh boy! What? All right, there you go. Hey, what a great way to like set that. It's film a perfect up, way to. Okay, so um, here's what Big Shark is. Um, movie takes place in New Orleans, and how do you get a shark in? There's a group of firefighters, <laughs> and they're really cool, and they save some kids, and then they get awarded. At a banquet hall, <laughs> and they're all wearing tuxedos. <laughs> you know, okay, I mean, Tommy's wearing a top hat, <laughs> and then next thing you know, the streets of New Orleans fill with water, and a CG shark swims down, you know, Chapatulas and swallows people whole. Mm-hmm. And then the mission becomes, hey, you know those firefighters that save those kids? We need them to save the city now. Kind of. That's like the third act. But I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> how else do you describe this movie? Easy. It's um, uh, the, the best way that I could put this in a sentence is it's not the movie you think it is, but it's the movie that it should be. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I wanted 
from Big Shark. The only thing I wanted was an authentic attempt at a second feature by Tommy Wiseau. And it is, it feels completely that there is a little, the one thing. And what I mean by that is it is, uh, it's not winky. No. Yeah. It again, I, we had people over here and the best way I've been able to describe this, it is, is not samurai cop two. Yeah. Now, if you're a fan of samurai cop one, it's because it was a weird fucking film. It was inappropriate, but there was heart there Yeah. and it just didn't work. But at the same time, it was fantastic. Yeah. Samurai cop two. <laughs> They're like, hey, people found our movie and they think it's dumb. Let's make a dumb movie. Self-awareness makes an appearance. Dude, they literally hired Tommy Wiseau in Samurai Cop 2. And that is what I did not want. And that is not what this movie is. In fact, I imagine that if you were a fan of the ironic winky bullshit, you would hate this movie. Because it it is a fucking fever dream. Editing. Now, I may have uh, indulged a little bit in an edible that uh, was hitting me a little harder than I thought it was going to. And in that opening scene where the firefighters were being awarded, man, there was canned applause that felt like they pulled it directly from every take they took. So every cut would be a different moment in the applause. And it started to create this like fever dream effect of like a bad trip. And I it I felt like I was being washed over in chaos. It was hard to follow because everything Steven Spielberg has taught us about how to make a movie <laughs> is this is the complete opposite. It's he has written he he has constructed his own formula. It's incredible that uh, <laughs> I mean, look. Here's the thing. You think this is a formula? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, the theater it sold out. Oh well, let's let's talk about the experience first of all. Now, um, the Balboa they're they're good. They're good people, and they're friends to us. We're friends with them. Uh, you know, we'll continue to support the Balboa until the sun boils the sea. But what I will say is that they could have done a little bit better job uh, preparing for the crowd there. Uh, Randy, the, 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 the movie was set to start at 7 PM. The movie started at seven. We didn't get, uh, no one addressed anyone until 7 50 PM. Now then that's because, and I understand that. And I think that was built into the schedule, but just, uh, Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. It, it, it seemed like people didn't have their act together. My guess, having worked with the Balboa a lot, I think one of the things we like about the Balboa Theater, they're incredibly chill. They're, they have a casual vibe. We've done two film fests where the power went out during. Yeah. They don't get phased. They don't panic. It is nev- The building is never on fire. Yeah. Even when the building's on fire, I think they're incredibly casual. And even though we were in a line that went down around the corner, they were just cool, chill motherfuckers. Well, you know, marijuana has an effect that uh, can do that. No, what I'm saying is like, yeah, uh, you know, I just, you know me, man, you know, we, we talk about, uh, we're scheduling, op- we're ops guys. <laughs> and how your, your heart rate starts to go up. You're like, this is, we're well, not going to yeah, get in there. It was just, it was just, uh, you know, uh, the way, it, you know, how, how, well, again, when Tommy has a table that, uh, <laughs> you know, takes up three quarters of the entire lobby with t-shirts and his underwear line. And um, his Pope cage that he takes pictures in. Oh my God. 
Uh, how would you describe that? Uh, it's like, you know, the bulletproof uh, glass tank that the, the Pope rides around in. But it was disgusting, smudgy plastic. Yeah, it was Tommy Wiseau's <laughs> Tommy's version. <laughs> and then he, uh, now also, um, after the film, um, I I left, like, I, I thought that I was going to come back and there was still going to be a Q&A. Um, but I left, like, and then the Q&A ended probably a minute after. Oh, you missed the whole thing? No, no, no. I missed uh, like the last two minutes of okay, the Q&A. Okay. And then I, we met back in again in the lobby mm-hmm. and then you came up to me and you were white as a ghost. Oh yeah. Well, um, so after I, I, <laughs> now here's the thing. I did record the Q and a, yeah. And I thought it was a lot longer. I can't, man, that edible is hitting me. Oh boy. Again, I think it might've been five, maybe 10 at the most milligrams. I thought this Q and a was over like 40 minutes long. It I, was five minutes. I think it's 10 minutes long. It's, it was short. So I'm we, maybe you'll hear the whole thing at the end of this episode. I did pull it off my imploding phone. But as I was leaving, I'm trying to like, in my head, I was both feeling uh, incredible joy, knowing that I got an authentic second sophomore feature from Tommy Wiseau. I was also trying to wrap my head around how the actress was here, but could have been invisible to Tommy for all we knew. She did. He did not even throw her a bone That's at a- all. And I'm, it's just all swimming through my head. And I'm walking out, and I get a tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and to much to my dismay, it is Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> who I don't know why he picked me out of the crowd. <laughs> He'd been walking around in a fucking tank <laughs> the whole day. Oh hi, Russell. He was like, "Oh hey, what did you think of my movie?" And I'm like, "Uh," and I'm like, "Dude, I, I." <laughs> I don't know why. I was like, oh, dude, I really liked it. And he said, oh, really? Tell me a favorite part. Be honest. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I was just like, dude, in my head, it was like like a corrupted hard drive or something. I just had images. So much weird shit going on. So much. There's so many moments of this movie that would have been a great opportunity to highlight for Tommy. And I started panicking. I know I'm like, this is getting, I need to say something. And I'm like, I really like the firefighters. <laughs> in the beginning, now in the beginning of this movie, our heroes are saving a child from the most horrendous CG fire building. Never seen CG fire like this. Again, it's, it's almost like they didn't have an engineer or like somebody doing graphic design. It was like they got an app off a phone that you put assets into your movie after. So Randy, the, when, when it showed, it would show the exterior of the house and the interior, the exterior, you could not put more fire on the exterior of that house. (laughs) I mean, it was completely engulfed in flames. The exterior, when you go to the interior, it's like a little smoky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's like CG fire in weird areas. And the, and like the drama came from like one of the firefighters was holding up a wall, but I think it was just a door next to a bed. And they're like, hold it, hold it. We got to get out. And they get out and they're like, where is he? He's still in there. And then it's manic. But my favorite part is just the little asides and the little small talk Tommy would say when he's rescuing children. Oh yeah. It's like, that's what the movie is. Well, that's, that's the thing that you could never can yeah, like no. recreate. It's like that dude helming the movie and nobody's going to edit out his weird shit. And there's a 10 minute scene where they go fishing that serves no purpose in the story whatsoever. See, that kind of stuff isn't what I'm impressed with. The, the shit that I'm talking about is back on that stage when they're accepting an award. It's a weird 
like it's just weird. Everybody gives a speech, which is weird, but you can tell all the characters are kind of it's exposition too. Yeah. Like, I'm just a good old boy. He's wearing a cowboy hat and he's like, you know, I drive up my pickup and I like everybody in town and thank you. And then it goes to Tommy, who clearly wrote or somebody wrote something for him and he's forgotten it. And he's just going. And then at the end of it, he's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And then he turns to the two guys he's on stage with and shakes their hand. <laughs> like that moment when he's shaking the hand of the other people where it's like now it's blurred between him being a director, yeah. the, the showrunner yeah. and an actor. Yeah. It's like that's the shit that nobody could ever come up with. And it feels so wrong. And you have an hour and 40 minutes of that. And it, dude. And then, you know. When we sat down, uh, first, I have to say, one of my proudest moments in my whole career as Clark's friend is him <laughs> congratulating me on picking good seats. Now, we had to be strategic. Excellent seats. The lobby was packed. And the line the line con in that lobby was, dude, Tommy came with merch. And I'm fucking upset that I didn't get a shirt like you did. Why where, didn't you? Where it's uh, Tommy Wiseau, almost like a pure caricature of him yeah. in the mouth of a shark. And it says, I survived big shark. Which, I mean, I already had the Veronica shirt, which said, I survived Veronica. Dude, I feel like I fucking missed out. You should have done it. But I, I broke from the line. I didn't go to either. And I went right into the theater. I scoped it out. And we had two possibilities. Now, I think at the time it was 7.20. So it had already been, they opened an hour early, too, to get people in. Yeah. So it had been an hour and 20 minutes yeah, of people sitting like, down. It was a mess. And I'm like, we got two options for four people. We're in row two at the Balboa, which is very close. You're, you're almost on stage at that point and you're looking directly up or we're in the balcony. And I came back out and said, what do y'all want to do? And then everybody looked at their balcony, duh. And, uh, got in the balcony, had a couple of row options. Uh, I looked at the people in front of the row that I sat in originally. I'm like, we're not doing this the whole movie backed up. And then lo and behold, the four people that cut you in line. Yeah. Sat right in front of us. Yeah. And they were annoying. Yeah. How did so? What happened with that interaction? They walked up and they're like, "Is this the line?" I don't remember because uh, you know scumbags. They don't they don't rent space in my head for free. You weren't mad. Oksana was. She's like, "These are the people that fucking cut us." Yep. So the <laughs> the box office line kind of merged into the concessions line. I told yeah. them three times. Uh, the back of the line's over here, and one of the girls was like, oh, "Okay, I think we should go," and the other one was like. No, it's fine. We're already in line. Oh, Here's the my thing. God. Yes. Now, again, the the infrastructure was fucked beyond all recognition. <laughs> so that within itself, um, you know, lends to tomfoolery mm -hmm. to people taking advantage of lack of 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 processes. You understand? Yeah. So you put that that within itself. Understood. That's going to happen. And the number two, it's like. Why am I going to get into an argument with this butch lesbian? <laughs> it's like I, nothing good is going to come out of this. Yeah, I almost did. I know. Oksana will pick a fight. That's fine. <laughs> and 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 honestly, that's a much uh, better thing to view in public than me fighting with a butch lesbian. You mean and they're like why are two lesbians fighting each other? You getting beat up in public? Yes. <laughs> She had, Randy, what is that punk cut that girls do where it's like she's got a shaved head but long strands over her ear and then it's like an A cut up front or something? Yeah, I don't know if there's a name. There probably is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, shit. Well, me and Oksana used to live with a girl who had that cut and there was a very specific pulled from like a band 
Yeah, she had that vibe, and I was like, yeah, yeah no. Yeah, that cut was daddy didn't love me. So I believe she asked a question later that night, and uh, people booed. I think she asked the question, and it was the first question of the Q and A. All right. Well, hopefully, we can put that Q and A in here, and then should <laughs> I say it or not? Say it. Do you remember it? Oh, I remember. All right. Well, careful paraphrasing if we're gonna actually use. I'm it. pretty sure it was direct. Go for it. All right. So, Tommy, where are you actually from? Oh, that's right. And then you could feel the Tommy crowd. refused to answer, and everyone booed. Yeah. <laughs> At least we did. Yeah, he's like, well, "Why are you here?" <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, man. He did a couple of ha-has. It was great. My favorite. Had a great time when somebody said, uh, "Oh, hopefully you come back and film here." And earlier in the uh, in the Q and A, he had mentioned he had casually thrown out, "Oh, maybe we get chased by a shark in San Francisco." And then later she was like, oh, do you have a plan for another movie? And he was like, you are not listening. I already said it earlier. And that's what he was referring to. So hopefully we get Big Shark 2. The Tenderloin has a new terror. Oh, yeah. We're we're workshopping the time. Now, see, the the thing with that is there are a lot more hills in San Francisco opposed to New Orleans. (laughs) I don't think that water would care. I I hope not. There is an ocean nearby. So the shark... Again, and we'll wrap this up because I mean, honestly, we could talk about it because we it's it was so much fun, and the reason why it was so much fun is because it was a live event, and uh, you know it that's going to carry a whole lot more weight than someone um, you know watching this alone in their living room. Oh yeah, um, but I think we both agreed there was this energy that is unique to a new Tommy movie. Yeah, where the crowd was dying to have interaction mm-hmm. on a first time experience, and I'm like. No, Rocky Horror, that grew out of, like, midnight screenings and people showing up. Same thing with The Room. Like, it wasn't built in that people were going to throw spoons at there. It just kind of, you know, it naturally happened. Yeah. And you could tell these fucking hipsters. I know They weren't our people. They weren't the Overlook Hour people. No. They weren't fans of indie cinema. They weren't thinking about the, the unique take from a unique alien who may be a vampire who can fly in his car, who chases... You, sharks through new Orleans. They were just thinking about how can I put this on social media and when can I start yelling? And, uh, Tommy put a song in there for them called Cowboys don't cry. I think. (sighs) Yeah. He put a song in there and it's interesting because it, it was his attempt at being self-aware. Yeah. And yet somehow that still came out as manic and fucking insane too. And, um, the audience loved it. And I kind of did, but I also kind of hated it. I don't read the song was shit. I know, but it, it was shit and it, it didn't have a good melody and I had immediately forgotten it. Well, I hated I how the audience loved it. They embraced it. Of like course they thought. did. Because again, it was handed to them on a plan. Like, yes, of course. But now what I liked about it and one of the things I was worried about with Big Shark was that no matter how Tommy acted, the people casted in his movie would be aware of who he was. So I thought there was an opportunity for people to just come have fun and ham it up. And I did not get that vibe from that cast. I actually think they may have still left with uh, some PTSD and it's, you could feel it. So when that song is going on, torturing me because the audience is like, yay, sing a long time. I felt like the actors did not enjoy it and they were still being tortured. And that's really what I wanted. All right. Big shot. <laughs> Five stars. Five stars, easy. And again, Harry Nordlinger, who works at the Balboa, who uh, 
must have saw the movie early. <laughs> Jumped on Letterboxd and gave it half a star immediately. My man. said, I can't believe I sat through the whole thing. And when I give it five stars and put it up on Instagram, he DM'd me with uh, just laughing emojis. <laughs> so I had, to, I was like, oh, challenge accepted, motherfucker. So we had a great conversation about it. And I think, uh, I think he understood me at the end. Hell yeah. All right. What else you got? Oh, there? it's my turn. It's oh, your shit. Time? My bad. Um, okay. Well, um, it is Mother's Day, and we're going to be ending talking about a TV show I've been spending time on. But before that, I did get uh, – it was also our birthdays over uh, our little, like, break from when we filmed the King Von retro correction perspective. Feliz cumpleaños. Yeah, me and Oksana, we both turned 28, and uh, we're living our lives. We're drinking, getting wasted. We're just partying. We're not going to let this kid get in our way. And thankfully, we have good friends who brought us a bunch yeah, of Yeah, it's going to be great for the kid. <laughs> It's cool. He'll be in film. I've already offered him up to be sacrifices. Anything you need a child for in a horror movie, we got one. Great. I need him for my Christmas card this year. Oh, okay. You could do that. Oh, How yeah. uh, again, we the booking is steep. He's a very smiley baby. He's got one tooth. It really ups his value in this market. So uh, after I watch Blackberry, I'm going to come to you with the number that you Hell have to yeah. pay. Um, anyway, uh, shout out to uh, listener Sean who brought me a stack of dungeon synth and horror movies. You get it, dude. And boar meat. Thank you for that. We got to eat that. Boar meat. He brought boar meat. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to fuck around with that. But he also brought me a movie. You're a whore for the boar, dude. Whore for the boar. Um, that was shot in San Jose, I think. Or a boar. Or am I wrong? I'm probably getting that wrong. Um, probably. <laughs> probably. Chances are. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he brought a bunch of movies. And one of them had a cover that we all remarked on. But it's one of those movies, you know, it's a uh, film from the 80s from another country. It's got a Mondo uh, Macabre logo on it, which, you know, if you're a horror fan, you probably own multiple of these. Have you watched them all? Probably not. This one is called The Howl of the Devil. Um, turns out a lot of you own this movie, but have never watched it. Now, it does. It, it This kind of teases a culture that maybe we're not tapped into as modern horror fans and this one has paul nashi in it it's a film by him and paul nashi is uh according to his imdb bio the uh king of spanish horror and you know uh i believe uh, uh mr justin coot our third chair who we've mentioned prior on this episode he's the only person i know that's seen this movie actually i don't think he has he might own it but look at all this fucking Paul Nash. He's the king. Look at all these movies he's been in. Uh, 114 credits. Yeah. And, you know, um, <clears throat> here, let's just randomly pull some titles. Uh, we got Curse of the Devil. Devil's Possessed. A movie Exorcism. Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. And uh, El Transsexual. There you go. <laughs> also, real it, quick, did you mean San Jose, Spain? Because it says it was filmed in Spain. No, no, I was saying the boar came from San Jose. <laughs> uh. No, Paul, this film was definitely not shot in San Jose. Although uh, I do think the culture out there and the population may appreciate yeah, it. Paul Nash is from Cupertino. Dude, dude duh, Randy, <laughs> come on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that wrong. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, I basically I watched it because I'm like, well, let me watch a couple of movies that were gifted to me. And then we'll talk about it on the show. Little did I know that this film, which again was filmed in Spain, feels incredibly Italian. 
it feels very Fulci-esque where there's a lot of, um, I was shocked when you told me it was not Italian. I know you're like, are you sure? It's I, like, I it's, it's Italian. <laughs> Mamma mia. And you're, I mean, I definitely heard somebody say culo and that is one of the Spanish words I know. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's, um, Spain. Well, you know, there linguistically, a lot of similarities yeah. between Italian and Spanish. I know. That's why I didn't feel too confident after yeah. I even pointed out the culo uh, finding. But uh, here, IMDb says, Paul Nashi plays several roles in this film about a nowhere actor who likes to pick up prostitutes and play sex games. His nephew resides with him and is lost in a fantasy world of his own. Again, IMDb, you fail me. This is a terrible synopsis. What this movie is about is a playboy who has a... Uh, it's he's imagine Bruce Wayne, but he's not Batman. He's just mm. Bruce Wayne. Hell yeah. And he's actually kind of shitty. And his mansion isn't in New York. It's in the middle of nowhere. I'd be down for an all Bruce Wayne movie. It does feel very um Italian Hills like money. And he's got a um a butler who is kind of not in love with their relationship. And he drives a limo. And in the beginning of this movie, we have a very scantily clad woman. Um very va 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 boom kind of look to her. Va 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 boom boom, uh, and she's out there. She's throwing up her hitchhiking thumb, and nobody's stopping. Even though I feel like if this were in reality, all of these people would have stopped because her hand gesture. I've, I don't know if this is like a new trend or something from the eighties, but she had her thumb out, but she also had all four of her fingers out. Like she was kind of maybe cupping something or stroking something, and uh, oh boy. she was not hiding. Her intentions here. And yet the only person who picked her up was uh the what the hell's the butler's name in Batman? Jeeves. <laughs> I can't think I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Alfred? Alfred. Alfred, thank you. Uh you know, Alfred picks her up and she's like, Oh man, thanks for picking me up. I've been out here so long. The last guy wanted me to suck his dick and he was dirty. I mean, we could still do that. And he was just like, I'm not interested, but my master will definitely be interested. So um, we're like, oh, she's just going to die. And she gets a ride. Uh, very beautiful, uh, very Italian feeling mansion goes in there. She doesn't meet the dude. Well, there's pizza sauce everywhere. Well, here's the thing. There's a weird cut and she's out of her like Texas chainsaw garb and she's thrown into some like Renaissance era dress. And I, I had to ask Oxana, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> like, how, how come she's in a costume now? And I don't think they explain it. But you get the vibe as the movie goes on. Basically, what uh, our Bruce Wayne likes to do is Alfred will go pick up prostitutes for him. Uh, all very good looking women. So they're more escort vibe. So he has a type? He's got a type. Or th they just live in a <coughs> weird rural area of uh, Spain, Italy, where everybody's just fantastically beautiful. And um, she comes I in. Would, I would, if, if there was a country of Spain, Italy, there would be, they would exactly. be all be good looking people. Yeah. So that might actually be it. Yeah. No question. Um, she comes in and there's this room with a bunch of paintings and it's very like Baroque in style. And here comes Paul Nashi playing one of 18 characters in this movie. I believe at this point he was playing Rasputin, the prophet, the mad prophet who could not be killed again. Um, he doesn't kill her though. He uh, dumps, he forces her to drink vodka. And she's like, hey, I'll get down. I don't need to be drunk. And he's like, you do. And he forces the vodka on her. It gets down her shirt. And oh, shit. Now she's got a wet T-shirt. And unfortunately, her dress was white. Is that the only thing that was wet? And she's like, oh, I get it now. And then he's like, oh, vodka's not your thing. How about some wine? 
So uh, after he, wine. after he rips off her dress, he pours wine down her chest and licks it off, and then um pays her a bunch of money. Was it weird or horny? It was very titillating. Okay. Paul Nashy was looking hot as okay. Rasputin. <laughs> okay. I was digging the wig, dude. Um, well, weird thing. Alfred t- is talking to a uh, master Wayne and he's like, kick her out. I'm sick of this bitch. And he's like, it's the middle of the night. He's like, I don't give a fuck. She's a whore. Kick her out. And he's like, it's the middle of the night. And we live in like a vineyard in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, I don't care. Give her a ton of money and kick her out. He's like, okay. So she gets kicked out and we're doing this very Italian horror, active camera, lots of zooms. She comes out of a staircase. We're down at the bottom and we're zooming in. She's walking down. And as she gets closer and we get in a tight close up, her throat is slit by a black glove. And it's like, oh, like it's almost like the language of cinema was ignored. And there was a genuine shock here. This is most of the movie. Uh, prostitutes show up. He puts on a new costume. I think at one point he is Bluebeard, <laughs> the uh, dread pirate, as he uh, wines and dines a girl. Again, doesn't kill them. When I walked downstairs um, and, and saw you two in the midst of this movie, uh, I believe he was embodying the persona of Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu is another one. And he went on a rant about... Uh, early world conquerors and how Fu Manchu might've been the best of them all. Oh, it's interesting. This it's kind of what's the Eddie Murphy vehicle where uh, he's like, everybody is that the clumps? Yeah. Yeah. We get a little bit of that with Paul Nashi, except here he's playing historical characters who are boning prostitutes and um, here, you know what? I'm going to give you. So, a so it's so I'm sorry to me cut you off, but no, it's, it's, it's more, uh, Eddie Murphy in Nutty Professor opposed to um, Hercules, Hercules. No. Um, um, strange love. What is strange love? What's his fucking name? Brandy. Peter, Wyman. Sellers? Peter Sellers. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Strange love. Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange love Kubrick. Oh, okay. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, of course you have. I do own five copies of that. But movie. I would say, yeah, he ran any, what, five, six roles he had Something in that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, this one, you know. But it was more, and yes, uh, I think that, you know, there there was a comedic element to it. But, you know, yeah. certainly not the slapsticky of Eddie Murphy. And, of course, this one, I think, is all, all built into the script. Like, I don't think this is played for laughs at all. Oh, I can, I can confirm for the 20 <laughs> minutes I saw the movie. I agree. Well, here's the thing. There's two There's two different angles to Paul Nashy dressing up in weird costumes. Again, there's the Bruce Wayne boning girls in costume. Uh, I, I believe one of the prostitutes is like, is this what it takes for you to get hard? Like, it's a very uh, crass movie. Yeah. Um, the other end is... Uh, the guy who Paul Nash is playing is uh, Bruce Wayne has a nephew there. His brother died, who was a popular actor, not critically, but by fans. And he was a big horror guy. And his son is now living with his um, uh, living with them. And they have a very uh, turbulent relationship. And this boy hates his uncle. And um, he's getting kind of a bleak look on women too, because the only women who show up there are the prostitutes that Bruce Wayne is betting and Carmen who San is San Diego, who this, no, <laughs> I don't know. She's Carmen, the girl that everybody wants to bone in Spain, Italy. Sure. Everybody. I mean, literally the, um, the father at the local church is obsessed with her 
and he hires a fat drunk man to spy on her to make sure that he is not actually bed. She that Carmen hasn't slept with Bruce Wayne. It is very weird. Well, Carmen is the only person that likes this little boy and she kind of looks out for him. And also, um, the little boy talks to all the characters that his dead dad used to play, which is Frankenstein. That's healthy. Quasimodo. I believe there was a moment. Where I saw Quasimodo. You wanted to pull something. Where he's like, oh, he, he's like, yeah. gracias Quasimodo or something like it. <laughs> it was so funny. He said gracias Quasimodo. And it was uh, great. He plays the Phantom of the Opera. He plays the Wolfman. And I'll say this. Looked pretty good. Oh, no. It, it wouldn't be funny if they didn't do a good job. Yeah. They are not phoned in. The Phantom of the Opera shows up in a mask and he's like, take off your mask. I'll, I'll love you more if you do. And he was like, but I'm very horrible. And he's like, I don't care. And he takes it off and he was very horrible. Actually, there's a zombie at the end of this movie that Oksana um, confabulated with the zombie from Zombie 2. The maggot eye. Yeah. And they, they look on par. The Quasimodo uh, makeup, uh, Randy looked very similar to the makeup that, um, I'm not going to be able to pull his name, but the guy who was in Holy Motors, um, who played that character and also played the, in the, the Tokyo short. Um, yeah. yeah, looked very Denny similar Levant? to that. Where it, say, say again? Denny Levant? Yep, that's our guy. Okay. Yeah, we had the white eye that was dead. Yeah. And um, yeah, just the, the messed up face. It looked great. You know, this movie, <laughs> right when it starts... We're um we're looking at what feels like a slasher film from the eighties, like very American. Mm -hmm. But it quickly uh, pivots out of that. But while while we're setting up the scene, there is a paragraph that appears, and it is a letter from Paul Nashi to all of the great horror icons of the nineteen twenty. And he's just like, "Hey, I made this movie because I I really appreciate the master the masterclass you've given me in the film." And it's like. It it feels like a really weird thing to open with. So what he's saying that to Lon Chaney? Yeah, no, James Whale. I think he literally names Lon Chaney, Boris Karloff. Boris, like, Karloff yeah. yeah, and but it's so weird. Bella. It's so weird feeling. And I'll tell you right now, he's dead. By the way, the reason that everybody owning these Blu-rays, we don't, we haven't opened them, is because it's like there's probably some cool shit in there, but ultimately it's boring. Yeah, this movie's not boring. All of the interactions it's are strange. Weird. It's strange. It's always entertaining. There's a moment where two um, criminals break into the mansion. And uh, I mean, bad choice. Bruce Wayne lives here. Unfortunately, he's um, not a Kung Fu expert, just a Karma Sutra expert. I mean, and uh, either fuck or fight. Dude, dude the, what happens in this film, it just it keeps evolving into like weird shit. And the gore is there. The character work is Paul Nashi is doing an Eddie Murphy here. It is never boring. Um, there is a twist at the end. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, fuck, dude. There's there's um, necromacy in this movie. There's everything crammed into it. All right. So, Randy, I'm gonna have you call it. What do you think he? What do you think he's gonna rate it? Four. I'm going to say four. Oh, yeah, I would give it a four. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, you got it. See, because I am consistent with my star ratings and everybody gets it. I knew, I knew, <laughs> I figured four was safe. I, 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 you didn't sell me hard enough for that 4.5 bump. No, and I think at the end of the day, um, I'm really starting to think about it more and more. These like uh, boutique labels that are digging up foreign films that were unavailable. Like there's a um, featurette on here, The Making Of, and- 
they open up saying, hey, I'm sorry, but the only print of this we could find was from the original release on VHS. So it looks like shit. They couldn't find the original negative. And that's fantastic. And, you know, in the late 90s, mid 2000s, this would have been a fucking jam of a movie. Yeah, It would have been fantastic. If you're at Suncoast or FYE or Amoeba and you blind bought this, you'd be like, holy fuck. I'm the coolest. I found a Spanish film that isn't boring. It's gory. There's a lot of like nudity. There's a lot of chaos. But now in tw- 2023, it's kind of like it's cool. But I don't. I think um, I I don't know if I've ever said this, but I think a lot of our modern film is a little bit more like thoughtful in script and everything. And I kind of found myself. I don't know. It's kind of like one note. Well, there's know. there's less titties, that's for sure. Yeah, that is the downside. There movies are more thoughtful now, but there is no uh Dicks are coming back though. Yeah. Dicks are back, baby. Well endowed men, not women. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I got one more. All right. Again. Let's close it out with TV talk. Hell of the devil. TV talk. Hit the uh th- All stadium. right, here we go. TV talk time. Um this just in on uh <laughs> streaming. We're going to Amazon for this one. Listen, all y'all, it's on Amazon. Uh, you may have heard of the the movie Dead Ringers from uh, David Cronenberg. <gasps> okay, very quickly. I'm so sorry. What just happened? Randy, I'm going to send this to you because I, I found a new thing on, on – uh, I'll show you today. I'm not going to be able to, to – I'll have to show it because um, I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter what it's called. I, I'll try to find it right now. But I, I'm obsessed with this new thing on, on YouTube. And the reason why I'm mentioning it now is because you mentioned David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg was on an episode of this. Uh, there is a video store in France. Um, and whenever famous actors come through in France, uh, they go to that video store and they shoot a 20-minute video where they talk about the movie, their favorite movies of, of all time. Cronenberg uh-huh. uh, was on it. It was great. Now, here's the caveat with this. Um, it's called Le Video Club. Here's the thing. If they have a French guest on, you're fucked because it's all French subtitles. And if they speak in French, it's going to be French because this is a French production. It's going to be French. It's going to be French. <laughs> so I just have to find all the English speakers because they're speaking English, but then there's French subtitles. Uh, but it's great. Video oh. club. Check it out. Bottle of water. Bottle of water. Bottle of water. Okay, there you go. I got to get it. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Sean Baker was on there. Uh, Brad Pitt showed up. Um, the Pit and the Pendulum. It's it's great. Uh, check it out. Video Club. Baker Butcher Candlestick Maker. <laughs> I think I got that wrong. Okay. Um, also, Cronenberg. He's just a he's just a fucking dork. Lame Canadian dad. Yeah, he's a Canadian dad. Dude. Well, you know his original name was Cronenberger, but uh, they changed oh. it because they wanted it to be a little bit edgier. Sick. <laughs> Okay, so you may have heard of the movie Dead Ringers, but have you heard of the book Twins? Twins? Which is, the show's also based Which is based on- off the Arnold movie? Dude, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, uh, the Mantle Twins, identical from head to toe, are on a mission to change the way women give birth. Is that what it says? That is IMDb. Y'all are great. <laughs> Wait, let me read that. Let me, yeah, let's let's bask in that a little bit more. The Mantle Twins, identical from head to toe, are on a mission to change the way women give birth. Man, I really want to watch that show based on that sentence. Is that alone. all it says? That's it. <laughs> Fucking dumb. God, you're used. To, who's writing these? Uh, honestly, I feel like they're people associated 
with the film or TV show, but do better. Like, um, anyway, that's, that's rough. Dead Ringers, a fantastic movie by David Cronenberg that I just don't seem to remember at all. I love it. I I saw it at Yerba Buena. It was a midday film fest kind of vibe where they were doing um, what the hell was it called? Cronenberg Thon or. Hardcore Cronenberg. Hardcore Cronenberg. Hardcore Cronenberg. And um, we watched it. I remember it was a fantastic evening. It was one of those perfect days if you're a film fan. It's beautiful outside. And we're in the Bay Area. We don't get a lot of that. But it was like a picturesque day. What are you talking about? We go indoors into a room with no windows to enjoy a movie. (laughs) And I just, there's something about like spring in the air, but outside (laughs) that really heightens the Spring is in the air. Yeah, it, I fondly remember this evening just i don't remember the movie at all i do remember it's, it's a good movie kind of american psycho right but they're like hyper intelligent kind of um hollywood um esque characters because they're medical geniuses a lot of right? cool uh, uh medical tools it's a lot of um absolute power corrupts absolutely right sure. and they kind of abuse their position of power um i will say dead ringers the tv show I was like, okay, we're doing a gender swap. It's 2023. I don't, am I going to be able to take this thing? And the first episode uh, had a moment where, uh, man, having tomorrow will be the six month anniversary. Is that what you call it? Birth, half birthday of my other boy. And uh, being that fresh out of the delivery room coming into this show was almost too much. I looked over at one point and I saw Oksana was getting pretty emotional and I'm glad she didn't look at me because I was trying to hide it. But uh, Where were you getting emotional? Well, because when we were in there, Oksana had high blood pressure the whole time. Again, if you listen to the show, you know, we got rushed in there and she was being monitored every 15 minutes. And, you know, in my head, I kept thinking, God, the idea of losing either one of these people, it's just kind of lingering there. So it's just you distract yourself. And I was there for a week. And then we go into this show and what the Mantle twins are kind of talking about, again, one of them is a researcher and the other is uh, what practitioner. Yeah. She's in there and she deals with the one's, patients. One's delivering the babies, one's in the lab. And they kind of bring up a bunch of shit that I didn't know I agreed with because I never really thought about it. But they're like, you know, birth isn't a disease. And yet we treat it kind of the way we treat everybody coming into an ER. And they make all these like moral connections and kind of juxtapositions with like why people hate being in a hospital and how that kind of carries over to giving birth. And um, if you've been watching Blu-ray Tuesday, Terrell, he's kind of mentioned how there's all these horror movies about having kids coming out. And, you know, uh, if you're in our demographic, you kind of look around. We have a lot of friends who don't have children. And I think it's kind of an authentic uh part of the millennial culture that's being addressed through horror film. And I've never seen anybody take the approach that they did here, which isn't about like clock, like, Hey, time's running out. You got to have a kid or like baby Ruth, where it's like the horrors of having a kid. This is kind of about the industry of birthing. Yeah. And the maybe anxieties that people have of going into law. I'll tell you, I love our son so much that every now and then I'm like, Oh, maybe we could do another one. And I'm just like, could I do it? Like, could I go in the hospital again? Like, it it was one of the most, like, nerve-wracking. And, again, I wasn't doing anything. 
I probably have high blood pressure, but they didn't give a shit. I was sitting there. I had nothing to do but sit on the couch like a fucking oaf. I was watching TMC. And, and yet it was a fucking terrible experience for me. And in episode one, they deal with um, both sides of that mortality coin. Yeah. And both of them were equally fucking horrifying. And one of them, and neither of them had to happen. And I'm like, whoa, you've, you've uh, tickled me emotionally here. I don't know if that's the correct uh, verb I should have used there. I'll allow it. But you've also got me like intellectually stimulated too. And um, I was so into it that by the time we pivoted into episode, is it three where we have like the kind of medical Illuminati at a dinner? I don't know if it's three, but that that sounds about right. Because I that's, think it was three. That yeah. sort of um, that was a big change for me. Well, it changes yeah. the rest of the series. Yeah, and because we, you know, yeah, I'm get, I'm in uh, episode four, but Randy, you finished it too. I know Clark I did. Had. Yeah. So I'm not there yet, and I'm kind of bummed because I would have liked to just run through this. Has the journalist made an appearance yet? No. Oh, then you got, you don't even know what this show is. I got two is, episodes dude. left. You don't even know what this <laughs> show is, here, dude. Here's one of my problems with it, though, is that uh, the episode I just finished on was when um, their parents come to visit and they're doing um, yeah a lot of the narrative styling, like the timeline shit, I'm not a huge fan of. Episode two, when it opened, uh, we see the Mantle twins. One of them is covered in a liquid and the other one is... Uh, out of breath and they both look perturbed and they're talking to an investor who in the last episode we kind of left on a cliffhanger where she, you know, we did the kind of cute TV thing where it's like, Oh, my impassioned, very um, traditional pitch is boring to you. So my chaotic sister has appealed to your evil side by maybe showing a vulnerability in morals. And on episode two, when we opened up, I went, did I skip an episode? And I stopped it and I had to look at the information because I was not ready for a, uh, you know, what Rick and Morty called bad storytelling by starting at the end of it. And then, yeah, it threw me completely out. And I'm going to go ahead and say the only issue I have with this show is those weird story flexes that are a very um, TV thing. Like if this were just an eight hour long movie, I think I would have been more into it. So if you had to guess, who do you think started this project? Uh, from a create now, um, just so you know, I have no idea who's directed an episode, who produced it. I would say maybe, um, oh, I have no clue. Cronenberg, Rachel Vice. Oh, okay. So she loves, she loved the film, um, has been a big fan of the film and was looking for something to, uh, do a project of. And, uh, she thought that she could pull that off and, uh, you know, then got the creators behind it and the money. And there we go. Um, she, she pulls it off. She's great. Um, there are a couple of times where she's so good in the movie that it, you have to remember that she's doing both parts. I, and that's the thing is like, I, uh, I heard an interview with her talking about this, but they didn't really go into how they filmed it, which is yeah. how I wanted to know. Cause like, man, it, it, well, actually they did go in a little bit in it because, you know, how do you learn all those lines, dude? Cause like, that's rough, but she kind of broke down into that. So yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, but man, she, she carries this thing because the, the twins are polar opposites and because, twins. because the one, um, Elliot is in the lab. 
Mm-hmm. And then what's the other one's name? Uh, is it Bethany, Beatrice, Beverly, Beverly. Beverly. There we go. And Beverly is the one delivering the babies. Well, the the one in the lab, um, that's the one with the personality, and she's also the she's the naughty one. Mm-hmm. So you know she's out there fucking everybody, and then you know Beverly. Uh, you know, she ain't, she can't fuck nobody without the other one pretending to be her, so that she can get people in there. So, <laughs> just um, she's trying to have a kid. What? Well, no, but yeah. you remember that that how she met that the actress was because of her sister. Yeah. Oh, I think um, and that plays a big part. Well, they play. The the there's a lot of duality going on in here. Yeah. Um, and I think what they're doing is like the timid good person doesn't know how to make a good first impression. I get Randy, if you want to chime in at any time here, <laughs> where if Randy had an identical twin, who was the bad boy, Randy, he was, a. Uh, we met a big shark, by the way. Oh, how did we not even <laughs> mention that? Yeah. Giant Randy was there. Dude, Hell a yeah. foot taller than Randy. Yeah, this we, dude was at least six, two. And he walked around. Randy's taller than five, two. Both hands in his pockets. Just like the famous story you told where you tripped and ate it on the curb. This guy clearly did not learn. And uh, we we talked about him a lot at Big Shark. It looked it was <laughs> scary, but it's that thing where it's like beanie you know, and everything. Good guys finish last or whatever. I don't like you if you could tag in somebody who could get you through the door. And it's like oh, once we start talking and that awkward first interactions out of the way, then I can take over. And um, I, th- I think that's all. I don't. I guess it was a little bit more crass than that, but it was always about um, having a kid. Which man, this show is good. I think you gotta finish it. It's Pretty a lot good. of new. No, I I do, and I I was thrown a little bit with how like genre forward that one Illuminati medical dinner scene was. Yeah, but I also really loved it. Yeah, I loved the Japanese dude who had a translator. Yeah, who was a glorified uh, VR video game developer who found a in to the medical field and was like, he's the most. He's the one who you're like, oh, well, maybe he just found an opportunity. But the theme of this dinner was the corruption that came with making the kind of money that they wanted to make. And I I think it got a little bit too yin-yang for me, where when they became so polar, like, I'm the good twin, you're the bad twin, I, I would have liked a little bit more nuance there, but I feel like it played really well. I, do you get what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I would have liked a little bit more, like, yeah, in the middle, but they were so stark. From each other. It only picks up. I know, and I, I don't really dig that direction. I kind of... Well, it, it, trust the process, my friend. Well, they're also kind of telling a full story of, like, grandparents having a kids. A full story. <laughs> the kids having kids. What it's like to have, like, a heretical disposition to being a mom. Um, what do you think about the design of the birthing center? You mean have initially? You that yeah, I okay. have. Well, I think it's interesting because uh, Beverly talks about how they want it to not be a hospital, and they want people to have fun there. And uh, it looked like an intestinal tract. It looked like a Kubrick building. Yeah, it looked kind of like um, future of the not future of the near alternate reality future. Yeah, Ray, what do you think about that? Because uh, they they played a big part. It is like you know they they wanted it to be different. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere between the two. It definitely has like sort of the sterile, clean, kind of like futuristic Kubrick vibe for sure. It's definitely not I, a 
just the show in general, I think you mentioned it looked kind of like an intestinal track. Yeah. Uh, I, I know they're trying to do something different with the dead ringers, uh, you know, whole thing, but part of me was kind of hoping for a little more body horror besides the pregnancy stuff in the first episode. But I love how they did the red schmock, the red smocks. Yeah. Like oh, the, yeah. The, that was the, cool. The design was cool for sure. Yeah. That I'm with you, Randy. So, you know, I agree. I was there too in the first episode, but then I'm like, here's the thing. They kind of did a more uh, aggressive body horror where instead of creating like an alien biology, they just showed all the shit that you don't see in our culture because we, yeah. you know, we have an aversion to a boob over a throat slit. There's a, I don't know if you've gotten there yet. Cause I, I wouldn't be able to pull which episode it is, but uh, there is a, a birthing scene with a severely premature baby. I don't, maybe not. I had, I fast forwarded through that. Oh really? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to see, but that's that. what I'm talking about. Like we're, we're here talking about, Oh, like body horror, but yet they didn't have to do anything to make that uncomfortable. You give if I see a tiny little baby, I'm just going to be terrified. Well, I mean, I was in a delivery room and, uh, again, we were there with one nurse from out of state who was like, fuck it. If all the doctors are busy, I've delivered a baby before we'll get this done. And I don't know how to describe a horror like that, even though I believed her. She was from Georgia. She was talking about how all the peaches there are better than anywhere in the world. And I fucking believe that, too. Well, it's the Georgia peaches. I know. I get it. And um, Randy's got a Georgia peach ass. But they asked me, they're like, hey, do you want to get in here and cut the umbilical? I'm like, fuck no. You don't want to know it's got nutrients. Here's the thing. So... Even though there's a birth happening, they still do a little bit of privacy, but it's not for people walking in. Like we had, um, we had a trainees coming in there. That poor fella, he looked like he was going to faint, and um, they were blocking it from me. And again, I think if they do a C-section, you wouldn't be able to view that, right, Oksana? Like, I mean, judging from the show, you can. I don't know. See, in the show, I th- I can't tell if they were playing with the body horror in a way of like no privacy because that's another theme of like the twins, I feel like. Like yeah. there are moments where people, uh, you know, in the futuristic not a hospital birthing center, they have windows that you control from the outside with the remote control yeah. where you can undim them and privately watch somebody giving birth. And what, I mean... <sighs> It felt so weird. A little too crunchy for me, dude. Dude, I mean, dude, when we were in the hospital, they had an open door and they had a little curtain that you could pull across it, but anybody could walk in at any time with anything going on. And I know at a certain point, um, I remember talking to you about this, Oksana, where it's like the nudity thing just kind of goes out the window. You're like, you know what? Fuck it at this point. Like, I mean, I'm never going to see any of those people again. So, yeah, but also it's like, I mean, we growing up in America, like, I feel like we're probably still the most repressed Western culture. I mean, look at fucking France, right? They got boobs and armpit hair and commercials and shit. They got cuties. Yeah, they got cuties over there. And then, you know, we're kind of like thrust into that. And it was weird. It felt like a hospital. It felt like you're here because there's an ailment that you're being treated for. And I don't know. I I really kind of latched onto that. Yet, I feel from episode three, we're already way far away from that. So far away. Which, like the Blackberry movie you talked about, kind of seems like the corporate projection. There's a great moment, I think, in episode four, where um, uh, Beverly's having a 
she just delivered a baby. She's trying to like process shit. Somebody's already calling her into another room and she's like, I need to have a cigarette. And she goes out and is pelted with blood from a bucket. And she's just standing like, what the fuck? Yeah. And the girl's like, you like, she's yelling some shit. But even as an audience member, we're like, what, what the fuck? And then a security guard comes and tackles her to the floor, apologizes to Beverly and drags her out. And then, uh, the, the queen donor comes in and she's like, oh yeah, you know, they're protesters from one of the other things that we funded. And Beverly has this moment. She's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I, I don't know what just happened, but I don't want to have blood thrown at me at work. And there's a fantastic monologue delivered by the, um, the leader of the evil Avengers. Miss, here. Miss Moneybags. Dude. But she makes an argument about like how people are, Everyday people constantly are making compromises with their moral plateaus. And, you know, to, to bring it into the horror community, like if you're somebody who is an activist for all the, the minority groups, and then, you know, you're a big fan of the howl of the devil, and then you look through Paul Nashie's acting career and you find Les Trans, what was it? Les uh, Transsexual? Les Transsexual. <laughs> you, you know. Now you're at a moral crossroads, and it's like, well, do I burn all my Paul Nashy merch? We don't even know what that is. I know. <laughs> don't judge a movie by its title. But there's nuance, and you know, there's intention. And I think what she was saying is, as being an evil person, I offered the yin to the yang, and I do what I do for money, and I let women run in here with buckets of blood and throw them because it makes them feel good. And they're going to go home to their friends and family and tell them they did that. And then next time they get out of a party at 2 a.m. and they're like, Uber's an evil company, but I'm kind of worried about walking down this alley alone. They'll feel justified when they get an Uber and go home. And she's like, I totally know where I am in the landscape of things. And the, during this entire process, my pockets are staying long. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, I always critique evildoers in movies who, you know, my, my favorite metaphor is they're walking on a beach of the private island and the lackey trips and the umbrella falls back and uh, the evil villain gets hit with sunlight. So they pull out a gun and murder the umbrella lackey. Yeah, especially if the bad guy's a vampire. <laughs> because they're evil. And yeah. now we know how sadistic they are. I genuinely felt like that donor who just gave her 19 million even more to make this intestinal looking building yeah. is real and far scarier and uh i don't I, I like this show but i'm scared to end it yeah i i well i love that we've talked a half hour on the show you haven't finished i know well okay what do you got <laughs> fill in the blanks for me uh, no because this <laughs> episode is two hours and 12 minutes and i'm tired that's fine and we've been recording for four hours we all talked about blackberry for an hour a movie no, that nobody's didn't. ever going to watch. It's a good movie. It's a stupid Blackberry's movie. Blackberry's great. About you would a piece like, of shit you phone. would like it. You know what I would like to have a a, a keyboard built into my phone. That's would not you working. rather see a movie about the iPhone or Blackberry? Blackberry's more interesting because it failed. Oh it's great. Blackberry, the best movie I've seen this year. No. How many needle drops were in Blackberry? Zero. No needle drops. Maybe uh, there was songs. Oh my god. But it wasn't uh, blister in the sun or whatever, like <laughs> air. God, hey, the, the needle drops in air were obnoxious. Um, the music in Dead Ringers, too, is fantastic. I should say yeah. that, it, uh, Randy, um, if you got something to add to that, I I was really taken aback by it. Nah, Do you know anything no, about the, the design here? There's no guar. 
I don't know anything about the music. I just know uh, the directors of most of the episodes. Uh, Sean Durkin, who did Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, and The Nest, uh, did the first like two or three. And Karen Kusama did one of them as well. Then I think there's one or two other directors. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know how to describe a Sean Durkin film or like his tone or vibe, but I definitely got that out of the first couple episodes. I believe Turner Clay directed episode five. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get there. Also, you know what? I'm I'm dumb. I uh, my problem with the TV show is that it's a fucking TV show, and that even you know when you love like Twin Peaks, every episode you get a different director who might have even just a little bit of an effect on the aesthetic, and that's the problem I was having. Just TV show shit, and I you know like I mentioned it up top. I didn't even look at who directed any of these, but. Yeah, uh, thanks for putting that in view for me, Randy. All right. We covered a lot of ground today, boys. Yeah, we did. How you feel? Are you going to finish the show? You got to finish Yeah, show. you know, I, I did really like how uh, Beverly's relationship is with an actress who's clearly in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Right? She's like Michonne or something. Like a very popular character who probably gets killed off too early in the show. I, li- I liked her. But I also love, my one of my favorite moments so far is when uh, the twins' mother is gushing over this actress just saying like, what you do is incredible. How do you embody two different personalities? Like, do you ever get lost in the fake one? And like there's these two twin daughters sitting there just like, what the fuck? Like we're medical doctors who just got a multi-million dollar loan and built a building that looks like guts. Like what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, what do you guys rate it? You finished it. Two. All right. Clark's a two. (laughs) No, Randy, I liked it. I liked it. I don't, I I don't know if I rate it. I, d- I don't want to discourage you from finishing the show, but I will say I kind of felt like it, it lost some steam in the last, like, two. Okay. I, but overall, dug it. Probably It's probably a solid three, three and a half. I don't know, dude. When, when they hire the, the writer, I... I like that. I don't know. I, I just like that angle. They get, like, a PR writer? No, uh, to do a hit piece. Oh. It's a whole thing. Um, that guy's great. He also has um, a wonderfully raspy voice that is just uh, Randy. I mean, did you find his voice to be, you know, <laughs> encapturing? I could have listened to him talk all day. Uh, I'm forgetting, so no comment. Oh, <laughs> Apparently not. I um, I will say that that Illuminati dinner. If you're not going to watch the show, go watch that one. I love the girl who was like the niece of the uh, opioid yeah. epidemic. Like whoever caused that, they don't really say, Yeah, but she's such a fucking cunt. <laughs> like she's such a bitch. And uh, the, the fact that she's like a genome splicer or something like genome splicer. I really feel like they, they took a horror trope that comes from like dark house cinema and then kind of in the early two thousands turned into like a post scream thing, kind of saw esque, like you're trapped at this nightmare dinner yeah. and they turned it into a, medical Illuminati that felt completely real, including that little like fucking Nazi husband. He was great. You remember? Yeah. It's a good show. All right. We're talking in circles. Uh, Randy. Wrap it up. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Boo. Russ, wrap, wrap it up. All right. Uh, (laughs) I just want to thank everybody for sticking with us. Boo. (laughs) We'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. of the room and I think you said like a thousand pages or something. Are you still going to do that project? I may, yeah. <laughs> when I was going to Lenny College two blocks from here, I mean two miles from here. So I have a tendency to write a sit paper. Yeah. Like this guy here and it's a stupid name, so. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. How about this lady, I want to educate everything. <laughs> For this lady say where you come from, it's a, I would say straight for a stupid question, number one. Yeah. How many people will agree with me? Come on. Yeah. Do you know why? First of all, I say very openly, this is put down American culture. As you know, we come from all over, um, all over the world, right Greg? Springs around the world, even in Japan. Yeah. Okay. So, and we started from here, from USA. Ha ha. I love the song in Big Shark. What was the inspiration? How'd you make it? Friend of mine from New Orleans is actually the guy who's playing Tim, and also Greg as well. So, uh, you know, it's just like get together, have fun, and then I wanted to in- interact with audience. I was thinking about you guys, you yeah. know? And I appreciate that you guys actually sort of catch up in the, with the movie. Yeah! Of the, uh, what do I call it? Uh, in Portland, we did the screening in, our, in New Orleans, and we had the same reactions. So I really like it. The what? Oh, yeah. He's whispering in my ear. Were you going <laughs> We were coming here uh, earlier today, Fisherman's Wharf, we saw a shark fin. Oh. Oh. When I was sitting back there, I was thinking, Big Shark, San Francisco. Next. Yeah. yeah! You know, the end of the movie is, if you, what if, right? Yeah. What if, it's a question mark, it's the same like, by the way, I want, I want to say thank you for support, I love you all. Greg, do you love his audience? Of course, yes. From San Francisco, so I love you. Yeah! And uh, I always say, you know, be yourself. As you know, the city is always, uh, I don't know, we always express ourselves. And, and a lot of stuff come from San Francisco, as you know. Move on, next question. <laughs> Hi, um, did any other shark movies serve as inspiration for Big Shark? No. <laughs>
as you know, if and the but, right? But I will answer your question. Someone one day writes certain article of Shalmet, actually New Orleans, and I said that's ridiculous, man. Because that was after, after, after Katrina, after all this disaster in New Orleans, you probably heard about it. Long story short, I said, no, that's wrong. And I, I, I come out with this idea about the shark. No. Creative audience, etc. I mean, not audience, but the character. Same here, what if you watch? Uh uh uh. Yeah. Hey, hey, Tommy. Hey, yeah. can you give us advice for not um, blaming our parents? This is good one. This is good one. I like that. So, you know what? If you want to blame your parents, you blame yourself, huh? Yeah! Do you know why? Why? Well, after 18, okay? Let's put it this way. Because we have what? If somebody guess what we have in America, you get a surprise. I don't know. Freedom, free will, that's good. What else? Start and see. Yeah, who said that? Come over here. Just for a moment, right? They still did good because you are here. Then you have to correct them and say, hey, don't drink too much. Or don't blame things, just make choices. The choices will be that you are better. And you can, you know, build something, especially in the United States, especially in America, because we have choices. United States of America is the best country in the world. I always say that. Hi guys, uh, thank you for being here. First of all, both of you, uh, welcome home uh, to both of you. Thank you. Um, thank you for setting up that Twitch channel, Tommy and Greg. Thank you for doing that uh, commentary on Best Friends. That was awesome. Thank you for showing up. Uh, it was really fun. Um, I wanted to ask, do you guys have any plans to work together again in the uh, hopefully near future? You just future? said it. You just said it. You didn't listen. Woo! Just said it. You just saw what? Did you see what? Sharp San Francisco. Yeah! yeah. Woo! That's it. You know what? This I love you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy, I think, 
te quiero preguntar, ¿qué estás haciendo para uh, esta noche de 5 de mayo? Whatever you say, I understand Spanish little bit of... Uh, what are you doing tonight for 5 de mayo? Do you want to party? Yeah! Right now. <laughs> but hopefully you have a good party. That's there. I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah, someday, somehow. Be cool. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Go for it. Yeah, next question. Yeah. I've noticed you wear gloves a lot, and you have a lot of great style in your glove choices. I wonder if you can give us some tips on how to be truly stylish. To, it, to it's really wear. like glove styles. Yeah, you can wear it if you like. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> just talking about choices, so. Yeah. <laughs> you can wear it, of course. Any color, anytime. Move on, next part. Uh, I was also going to ask you about fashion, but instead I'll ask, would you sing a couple verses of Heroes Don't Die? Yeah! Yeah! yeah. yeah. Hey, do you remember? From the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody can sing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Don't cry. Heroes don't die. So I really want that question. Uh, hi, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> Cinco de Mayo, celebrate! <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, go uh, there's, there's so many iconic scenes and moments in Big Shark. Too many to count, but personally, what would be your favorite moment in Big Shark? All of it. From the beginning. <laughs> But we have a screen also standing and spread, spread the word where you can. Go on, next question. Yeah. So in the movie, Patrick sees the big shark, but no one believes him. One more time. In the movie, Patrick sees the big shark, but no one believes him at first. Correct. Was there anything that you've seen in your life where you think, like, no one's going to believe me, but you think you've seen it? Could be like ghost or alien. This is a good one, yes. I cannot tell you, but one next question. <laughs> Hi Tommy. What's your cell phone number? Tommy? What's your phone number? Five 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 five. Let's try. Oh hello, I just I just want to say people ask where you're from. We all know he's from San Francisco. That's facts. And second, Greg, I absolutely love the audiobook of the disaster artist amazing. And third, Thank you guys for coming behind.